Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. Coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. It is the night before Christmas Eve, uh, so uh, we'll be interested in hearing how things go tonight. Uh, I know a lot of folks are out there who are preparing. Uh, for the Christmas season, but we here on Bard's Logic is still live or are still live and going uh, on to the night. And so tonight uh, we are going to uh, listen to some audio and then make some commentary about the 2015 uh, second presidential debate for the Democrats and uh, find out more about why a Democrat's 
especially Hillary Clinton presidency, is bad for America. And we'll hear uh, most of the clips will be from Hillary, uh, other than a few that you will hear of the other candidates. Because as you know right now, she is the uh, front runner, and I think that she will be the candidate for the Democrats. I think she will be the nominee. Uh, and I think one of the things that was indicative during the debate was the opening uh, opening statements. Uh, and of course, uh, when Hillary was doing hairs, and I don't have the audience for that, uh, but you can uh, you know find it online. But hers was pretty much, you know, all-encompassing. And, of course, she was blasting the Republicans and things of that nature. Well, you had more so where, you know, Mallory talked more about the, you know, protecting the country, military, things of that nature. He focused mostly on that. And then you had Sanders, who talked a lot about the uh, economy and the environment. And so, you know, you kind of see where it's already setting up where uh, Sanders – no, he really – I think he's really interested in being the president, I, I think more so than Mallory. But I think both of them are just to have their input uh, for the uh, Democrats. And Sanders has uh, certain of the base who is uh, following him and so, are, you know, the liberal base following him. Uh, but I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Hillary get it. That's why we're going to concentrate on hearing from Hillary and getting uh, folks' thoughts. So if you'd like to be a part of the show tonight, uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, among our audio clips, I'll also have an article uh, that we'll read in which we will be uh, doing an article about reminding us of some of the scandals that Hillary Clinton has been a part of. And so we'll definitely uh, discuss that. And for those who uh, are on the line and when you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial and I'll make sure that uh, we get you in there. And so that's how we'll uh, do things this evening. Uh, we may or may not do the full length of the show, depending on how things go. I know, as I said, with it being the night before Christmas Eve, I know a lot of folks are out there getting their last minute uh, shopping done. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to still have uh, a lively evening, but if uh, we'll see how things go. But give us a call at 347 Nine four five seven four two eight, and of course, if you're new to the show, uh, you like the show, just push the follow button, in which uh, you will get email updates for the show, as well as you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just go into the search engine and put uh, in Bard's Logic Political Talk. Uh, we have our page there, so like the page. Uh, that is appreciated. And so, what we'll do is we'll we'll first start off uh, with some of the, uh, as I said, the clips. Um, that we had, uh, you know, from the debate, and that's, of course, as I said earlier, the Democrat uh, debate. And before we get into that, I just want to make something you could also see. I don't get the audio for it. When Hillary was talking about, uh, you know, Bush, uh, not Bush, <laughs> uh, Obama saying, you know, don't worry about America. There's no real uh, credible threats to America. And it looks like Hillary uh, may have uh, agreed with him a little bit uh, on that. And so uh, we do have uh, Susan on the line who would like to chime in. So let's go ahead and get Susan in, and then we'll get to our audio clips. Uh, so th there we go. Thank you very much, uh, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm alive. <laughs> That's all I feel like tonight. But um, I didn't get to hear the debate. Um, 
I I had just finished actually a few days ago listening to their first one, and it looks like it. What is it down to three people? Or two have dropped out now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's down to Sanders, Mallory, and um, and being Clinton, of course. And the the sad thing is, is uh, I listened to the first debate. And then they had Webb, and I think Webb, and that's probably why he's still not um, in the debate, is that, you know, in the Democrats, is that he, <laughs> Webb made the most sense of all of them. Yeah, I, he had been a Republican, I think, at one time. Uh, mm. I think Got he it. switched to Democrat because of being against the one war or something. Um, but now he dropped out. He dropped out because of the fact that um, he felt that he was being ignored and everyone because they were just trying to make it all about Hillary. So. Um, well, and they, yeah, of, and they certainly were. Speaking of the word Democrat, it's interesting because I feel that. There are Republicans who are technically Democrats. I don't know if you know who Representative Mike Simpson of Idaho is. I know you know who Labrador, Rich, and Crapo are. Uh, and they voted against the Omnibus bill. And I called Mr. a Merry Christmas and thanked him for voting against it. I feel like when your politicians do something right, you should thank them at least on very, very important votes. Uh, and I do that because that's what my mother taught me to do, is to say thank you. And you'd be amazed how many of them say they get all kinds of negative calls and they get criticisms and requests, but they never get thank you. So they're always shocked when I do it. Well, I think these three, they're getting used to it now. But I have called others in other states and thanked them. And uh, Mr. Simpson voted for the omnibus bill. And I informed you he did not know the difference between a democracy and a public, just why he's voting the way he is. And that could beat him in a constitutional debate. And he's an idiot, sadly for me, my idiot. Yes, I said all that. And more. I let him know he had not read the 2,000-some pages of the omnibus bill, and that is thanks to Rand Paul, so no one did. And he lied about it. Plus, he said it was good for Idaho, and that was a false statement. Told him he was a rhino and or a Democrat, and I had not voted for him. And many aren't happy with his liberal ways. And I was getting sympathy from others that he and now Labrador is my representative. I further informed him that I was not wishing him a Merry Christmas. He did not deserve it, one. And I know the other congressmen have received a Merry Christmas wish. wish. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I really took it to him. At least I didn't do what one person in my group does when he calls his politicians. He calls them useless sons of bitches. Uh, and I don't do that, but I did get pretty, I think, uh, very straight, straight with him and told him the facts of how I really truly feel about his attitude. So I feel that he is more like a Democrat, and I think there are Republicans who are more like Democrats or socialists, too. I'm sorry, Rush Limbaugh has called out the Republican Party, and there's been times I haven't liked him. And Franklin Graham has left the Republican Party. So what say you to all that? Yeah, you know, I haven't been listening to Rush, you know, for, you know, quite some time, especially 
uh, you know, 2012, um, just because, you know, how he really didn't, was it truthful, you know, about some things there. Um, so that's um, kind of, you know, my point of contention uh, for that, well, you know, on him. So I don't really listen to him. I get his emails, some emails from conservative sites about what he's saying. And there's a lot of things. But, you know, on this and a few other things, he's been right on. So I am glad when someone at least occasionally exposes the truth. But my point was, what do you think about some of these so-called Republicans? Do they act more like Democrats? I actually, as I said as said before, I feel Bernie Sanders is more honest about who he is and what he stands for than many Republicans and Democrats. They hide. Yeah, and I'm actually uh, here on Facebook uh, chatting uh, with Arlene, who is uh, one of the folks out there. And thank you, Arlene, for uh, sharing the link uh, for us tonight. Uh, looks like um, – we're looking at some working on some things there. Well, let's go ahead and hear from uh, you know some of the uh, things that you know Hillary had to say in some of the Democrats. And I'll try to do this as as an order as I can, and we can make some you know some commentary on that. Um, I tell you what, as I said in earlier shows, or pre- you know, in previous shows, that you know I really am more concerned about. Um, you know, Hillary more so than I ever was Obama, I must say. I mean, I can't imagine Hillary uh, being the, um, you know, the president. Now, of course, you know, sometimes she even sounds like, you know, a centrist, but she's already said, you yeah. know, in, in past debates and everything of that nature where, you know, she said, hey, you know, she pretty much likes agrees with everything Obama's doing and that she doesn't only really want to, uh, you know, do what he's doing, you know, she wants to expand on it. And so let's go ahead, and one of the things uh, they talked about, of course, you know, because at least the first half of the debate had a lot to do with, um, you know, with, with, you know, how the last Republican debate was on national security. So I'd say the first half of this debate was, you know, kind of on that, and, of course, their issues uh, for that, uh, you know, on national security, and then, of course, things related to it. Uh, but here's uh, one of the things from the debate, Hillary Clinton, when they talk about guns. Secretary Clinton, in the wake of the San Bernardino attack, you all emphasized gun control. But our latest poll shows that more Americans believe arming people, not stricter gun laws, is the best defense against terrorism. Are they wrong? Well, I think you have to look at both uh, the uh, terrorism challenge that we face abroad and certainly at home and the role that uh, guns play in delivering the violence that stalks us. Clearly, we have to have a very specific set of actions to take. You know, when Senator Sanders talks about a coalition, I agree with him about that. We've got to build a coalition abroad. We also have to build a coalition at home. Abroad, we need a coalition that is going to take on ISIS. I know how hard that is. I know that it isn't something you just hope people will do, and Secretary I've worked Clinton, on can that. can we stick to gun control? Yeah, but I'm getting, Are they I'm, wrong? I'm getting to that because I think if you only think about the coalition abroad, you're missing the main point, which is we need a coalition here at home. Guns in and of themselves, in my opinion, will not make Americans safer. We lose 33,000 people a year already to gun violence. Arming more people 
to do what I think is not the appropriate response to terrorism. I think what is... creating much deeper, closer relations and, yes, coalitions within our own country. The first line of defense against radicalization is in the Muslim American community, people who we should be welcoming and working with. I worry greatly that the rhetoric coming from the Republicans, particularly Donald Trump, is sending a message to Muslims here in the United States and literally around the world that there is a clash of civilizations, that there is some kind of Western plot or even war against Islam, which then, I believe, fans the flames of radicalization. So guns have to be looked at as its own problem, but we also have to figure out how we're going to deal with the radicalization here in the United Martha, States. On this Senator issue, Sanders, this is wait, wait just a moment, please, Governor O'Malley. Senator Sanders, we've seen those long lines of people buying guns in record numbers after. Okay, a couple of things, uh, Susan. Let's see what uh, if you agree. Is that one is I, I agree about with, with, with arming folks. I think more people do need more guns. I think the less things uh, that happened in California would happen, uh, and I think the less people would have got killed if people would have had. Guns. I think if people had guns in France, where there was the theater, 126 people, uh, or whatever the amount of people that was killed, I think that's how many was killed in those uh, in that theater would not have been killed if there had a couple people there, you know, who would had their guns to take out those terrorists. I think having guns is a great thing. Which goes, oh well, you know, having guns to do who knows what. Well, who knows what is? Let's be frank, to kill the the to kill the terrorists. That's what they're going to have the guns for. I think it's a great idea to, to arm us because, you know what, they're going to go over to a crowd and they're not going to know what, I mean, what to expect. They don't know if you know, the crowd is going to be uh, killing them, that, you know, shooting back at them. That's the problem. That's why a lot of these places go to these gun-free zones because they know they're going to be probably going to be the only person who has a gun there. Uh, so I definitely think uh, you know that that is a good idea. And one of the things I think she's got uh, wrong as well is I think this is, Still, between us and, you know, a lot of the Muslims, especially the, the Muslims coming uh, from the Middle East, is the – I think we're still having an ongoing crusade. I think it still is a clash of civilizations. That's exactly, in my opinion, what is going on. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all Muslims are terrorists, but it seems like all, you know, all terrorists uh, have been Muslims, okay, as they say. And so – I think this indeed is. I mean, just that looked like saying that every Muslim back in the Middle Ages that were, and I find it interesting now that we call the Middle East and tie, you know, are still back in the Middle Ages, if you think about it. So I find it kind of interesting that those two words are kind of playing together. But anyway, is that, you know, back in the Middle Ages and the times when they did have, you know, the First and Second Crusades, you know, then they not all Muslims were, a, you know, a part of the, the, you know, the Muslims who were fighting, you know, the Crusades were fighting. Not all of them were like that, but we still was. There still was a clash of civilizations. There still was a crusade. You still had Muslims fighting it. I think we're fighting in a modern-day crusade, a modern-day uh, clash of civilizations. What do you think, Susan? Well, I know. I told you that I I knew some 
Muslim seller. I worked for them. They treated me very well. I I feel there's some that are good, and yes, it is a clash of culture. Obviously, there's they said it's hard to convert any Muslims. They don't change. But we know that the pastor from Idaho that um, is sitting in a jail over there, prison, and we never got him out yet, um, that he became he's a Christian. Uh, his wife's a Christian. So I, I believe that it's, it's probably harder uh, because they don't allow probably, just like in China, you can't really say too much or do too much or you're, killed, tortured, or whatever. But I believe, if you want to put it that way, there are people of that, I won't say faith, because obviously they become Christian, they're not of that faith, but from those different countries that are Iranian, they're Iraqian, there are Christians, and so if you say, well, I hate them all, you're really kind of saying you hate them too, because they're Christian, but they're still of that bloodline, you know what I mean? So you got to differentiate between who you are attacking and why. And ISIS is, well, they're ISIS. And personally, I like I said, I wrote blogs on the Shah. I wrote blogs on a blog on the, uh, Assad. I don't think there's such a bad guys any worse than really Obama. And, and they're Muslim, and they have protected some of the Christian, you know, and the women. They've given them more liberties. So I think there's leaders that are worse than they are or were. So I think we have to recognize the good, but that doesn't mean I'm for just bringing in a bunch of refugees that aren't vetted, that we don't know what they are, and our economy's bad, and everything else. Right? Because I think there's a lot of them that are just saying they need to be rescued and they really just want jobs to come here and they have nefarious ends that they have in mind. Yeah, certainly. And so, you know, we got to be, you know, aware of what we really are fighting, you know, what we really are doing. I know a lot of folks, especially the Democrats, that's why I think it's so bad for America. They don't even want to realize what we're, you know, what we're fighting against, what they're up against. And I know they talk a lot about, you know, we need to make a coalition with, you know, uh, the Muslims. Uh, but, I, you know, whether that, that is or is not true, uh, I just don't know. I mean, when when Bush was in office and they talked about, you know, how Obama is I – made, mean, you know, the United States the laughing stock of the world, and I think Hillary's going to pretty much do that too because we know that they're, they're globalists and, you know, they they want us – you know, they don't want us to be, you know, the head of the world. They just want us to be one part of the new world – you know, just one part of their new world order. So – before they can even get that, they need to bring the United States down. Um, and I think that is what the uh, Democrat liberal agenda is in doing so. You know, and it just made us, you know, made us weak. Now, when Bush was in office, I mean, let's say, you know, people, I think they re- respected the United States more. I mean, besides 9-11, which happened, you know, just months after, you know, Bush got in office, I mean, we didn't get t- attacked again, you, you know, but did you see us just get you know, attacked not in mass scales what happened over, you know, on 9-11? But, I mean, look what just happened in, you know, California. I mean, that happened. And, I uh, unfortunately, I think that we're going to be seeing more and more of that sort of thing because the United States seemed weak. Now, when Bush was in office, to remind us thing, you didn't see, you know, Putin and the Russians uh, doing what they, you know, what they've been doing. 
you know, and, and, and the things going on over uh, in Libya and Syria. You know, when when Bush was in office, I, mean, I think people still had a, a healthy uh, respect and fear of the United States. And the, the, you know, when it comes to guns, you know, back to that, that clip, is that, you know, thinking that, you know, we shouldn't be armed, you know, to, to protect ourselves. I mean, look, I mean, who's going to be there? I mean, the people are already killed, you know, there in California before the law enforcement got there. Fourteen people were already killed. It just makes me wonder if there was someone in the workplace uh, that was armed or had uh, their own gun in their desk or something of that nature. Or maybe that uh, the one guy who uh, I think, you know, he sold drinks or something in the lobby or something that was killed. I mean, if he had a gun in, you know, under his counter or something, you know, he might have been able to kill them before they were able to, to, to do more damage. You know? <clears throat> no, we need the guns, most definitely. You know, and then, of course, you know what's so... some... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, good. There's, there's different campuses now. Uh, one was in Texas I posted today that are going to allow the teachers to carry arms and stuff, and I I agree with that. I, I think it should be. No. Oh. Well, they must have got that idea from Bard's logic. Because I tell you what, when that stuff first started, all that stuff started happening in the schools. You know, I was saying, you know, look, our, you know, and you could go back and past shows and hear it. I said, look, I think what we should do is arm the teachers, or at least the principal. You know, because let's, you know, because the principal is the, you know, supposed to be the utmost authority, the utmost protector in a school. Whereas if you don't have at least the teachers trained, which I, I think it should be the teachers, at least have the principal of the school, you know, who, whose responsibility for the safety of the children fall on them, you know, ultimately, where they're trained in the use of a firearm. And if the principal doesn't want to for whatever, you know, personal beliefs, then I'm sure there's going to be a teacher or teachers, okay? And then if all of them refuse, which I doubt, then I think that that's one of the good ways to have you know, some of our retired police officers, maybe some retired uh, military people. I mean, there's plenty of them. They're, they're looking for work or looking for, uh, I'm not, you know, volunteer. I prefer to be paid, you know, because I think they should get paid for it. If you're not going to have a teacher or a principal in a school that's willing to get their gun license, get, you know, conceal and carry, get training so they can protect those kids if something were to happen, then, you know, have a, you know, have a, an unarmed, not an unarming, um, an unmarked, you know, police officer or some or an ex-military person in there who's already, you know, trained to handle these sorts of things, you know, hire a couple of them to protect the school. I mean, you, you'll get, they'll get jobs, so there's getting some employment there. The kids are safe. I mean, having these no uh, – I mean, here, think about it. Just because you don't have a sign on your door that says, no guns, this is a gun-free zone in school, doesn't mean that the kids are going to say, like, oh, my gosh, this is great. This isn't, a, this isn't a gun-free zone anymore and, and think the kids are all going to start uh, bringing in guns. I mean, that ain't going to happen. The only people who, who, you know, who come in with guns now with the gun-free zone, unless they're breaking the rule, is the people who are armed. I and mean, what, what sense does that make? Uh, and, and I promoted that about military people, um, veterans, you know, and, or, you know, because some of them don't get much money or help. And I have thought that that would be an excellent idea that they could earn, I don't know how much you'd pay them, probably not a fortune, but it might pay a few bills and help them out. So I guess you and I are on the same page on that. 
Yeah, I think that would be a you know a great idea. And you know that well, I mean, what do they want to do? I mean, I mean, really, what does you know the the Democrats and them you know you, you know want to do with with protecting? They say, oh, well, you know, we want to protect our families, but I just don't really think that they want to do what it takes, um, you know, to do that. Probably not. I, I that's my thoughts on it. I feel that you and I can support gun control if they all give up their all the politicians. Everybody gives up their bodyguards and all their right. extra. You know, Paul Ryan, his fence around his house, and all the stuff. If they do that, I'm willing to back them. And you can bet your sweet bippy they are not willing to do it. It's just like war. If they want to go to war, all these wars, um, and they're Ted Cruz, all of them, they have to send their kids, their nieces, their nephews first. Then we'll send ours. But they, you have to set an example. That's what I always understood. King David went into battle. And... There was even, I wrote about this, uh, I can't think of his name, it seems like it was Stephen or Stefan or something. He was a king way back, before the Dark Ages, I think. Um, he led his army in the battle, and he was blind. I can't even picture our leaders doing that today, flying a plane or doing. Uh, one of the last ones to really was uh, uh, the Kennedy boy, and he, Joe, wasn't it Joe Jr.? killed uh, being in the military. John did his best, but he was he was in pain all the time, you know, his back and stuff. So um, all I can say is if they, that, that is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to address in actions and attitudes. You're supposed to set an example. The teacher is. And when they were wanting to put in uniforms in this one school, I said, oh, that's fine. Do the teachers have to learn? Well, no. I said, excuse me? If the kids have to, the teachers have to. I'm sorry. That's part of setting an example. And uh, I fought it. I said, only if you set the example and the teachers have to wear the same thing they do. They didn't like it. But I firmly believe if a parent is supposed to set example and everyone else is supposed to, then shows the military leaders, the politicians, that means they go into battle first, they lead the thing, they lead the charge. Why should Obama or George Bush sit at home, ready to do whatever, while the other men that are expendable just go, because they're the common average joke, they go out and have to face the guns and getting killed. So there's my thought on it. Yeah, I don't know also, you, uh, you know, but also, you know, one of the things that was in uh, the news lately, you know, with Donald Trump's comments, you know, about, you know, barring all the Muslims, you know, or at least for, for, for a time uh, to come into the to come into the country. Uh, now, personally, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how you can know someone is a Muslim or not. I mean, I guess you can ask him, but they can always lie. So, I mean, it's definitely a foolproof. And, and people had a big old, you know, hoopla, like, oh, my gosh, man, it's a, so big, and this is going to cause you know the the Muslim leaders of the nation you know to uh, you know not want to work with the United States because you got Trump 
saying this and this and this. So let's be realistic, folks. Let's be realistic. And this is what I mean by that. Who's not to say that Trump has not already talked to, to these leaders? Because, I mean, I, he could say that let's do that, but does he really think that we we could? I mean, I don't even know if that's something that's even possible, and he may even think that too. I mean, he may he may have very well already had conversations with the guy. Says, "Look, guys, you know, you know, I'm going to say this because people want to hear it, and you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get you know election here. You know, this kind of stuff isn't going to happen." Now, a lot of folks, as you can see, like that idea. I think the last poll I heard was like, you know, I, I can't remember how many percent said that they thought it was a good idea. At least uh, maybe 38 percent or something. They, they might say. So what the percentage on the next clip I'm going to play. Um, but there's a lot of folks thinking that that's a good idea. Uh, so, you know, how we could do it, uncertain. But I think just putting a moratorium on it uh, during this time, I think may not be a bad idea. I mean, look what, you know, World War II, I'm not saying intern Muslims, you know, but I'm saying that, you know, they stopped that kind of, you know, they stopped that kind of immigration uh, from, you know, Japan, but when, you know, during World War II. So I don't see why we can't do it now. But, of course, you know, the Democrats made a big hoopla on it. And uh, this is, you know, what they you know, were saying about that, at least it's what Hillary said. Thank you. We're going to move on from gun fear and go back to time ago. You, you brought up Donald Trump first here this evening. We've now seen the polling done well after his proposed ban on Muslims coming to America. 36% of Americans, more than a third, agree with him. You have weighed in already on Donald Trump. You've weighed in on the proposed ban. But what would you say to the millions of Americans watching tonight who agree with him? Are they wrong? Well, I think a lot of people are understandably reacting out of fear and anxiety uh, about what they're seeing. First, what they saw in Paris, now what they have seen in San Bernardino. Um, and Mr. Trump has a great capacity uh, to use bluster and bigotry to inflame people and to make them think there are easy answers to very complex questions. So what I would say is, number one, we need to be united against the threats that we face. We need to have everybody in our country focused on watching what happens and reporting it if it's suspicious, reporting what you hear, making sure that Muslim Americans don't feel left out or marginalized at the very moment when we need their help. You know, I was a senator from New York after 9-11, and we spent countless hours trying to figure out how to protect the city and the state from perhaps additional attacks. One of the best things that was done, and George W. Bush did this, and I give him credit, was to reach out to Muslim Americans and say, we're in this together. You are not our adversary. You are our partner. And we also need to make sure that the really discriminatory messages that Trump is sending around the world don't fall on receptive ears. He is becoming ISIS's best recruiter. They are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists. So I want to explain why this is not in America's interest to react with this kind of fear and respond to this sort of bigotry. Secretary, thank you. Senator Sanders. And so, you know, there, there is where what we said earlier, uh, Susan, is the centrist Hillary Clinton uh, coming out, even giving some kudos to uh, George W. Bush, uh, you know, with some of the things that uh, he's done. And so, you know, we're, we're hearing that, uh, you know, from her. And, you know, and, of course, what so many people think that, you know, Trump's really not a serious candidate. 
Well, let me tell you this. When you've got Hillary Clinton and others who are blasting Clinton already, not Clinton, uh, Trump already, I think they're definitely concerned about him. I think that uh, if they were not, uh, they wouldn't even mention his name. Uh, so because she's already getting herself geared up for the uh, for the general election. Cause we, you know, she knows it's going to be her, but it's not going to be any of the other two. That's why we need to really let folks know. Now we, you know, we we have mostly conservatives listening to the show, but I'm sure we have a few liberals out there. You know, a lot of independents. And one of the things that I want to let independents know is that you know. Hillary Clinton just cannot be a Democrat, but of course, you know, Hillary, you know, either cannot be the president. I just think that it's going to be, be, be awful. I mean, if you don't like Obama's, uh, you know, policies and what Obama's done, I mean, it's going to be even worse. I mean, and I think that Hillary Clinton's more of a globalist than, uh, you know, than Obama, you know, than, than maybe even Obama. And and also, you know, she's always talking about coalitions and this and that. And, you know, I understand it, but you know, they're always talking about bringing uh, worlds together. And I, and I said this on other shows. But I think yeah, great, it'd be great yeah, if we don't have to spend all of our resources, you know, time and blood on you know defending ourselves and and building ourselves up militarily. I mean, frankly, I'd rather have all the money we spend on having to defend ourselves on you know our space program. You know, you know something that would be you know worthwhile. You know, but of course we have to spend all this money on people who are, you know, trying to kill us. And, you know, I'm kind of sick of it, to be honest. And as Ben Carson put up, I mean, this country's been at war since its inception, you know, and, and, you know, what's going on with that? So, you know, we need to, you know, I I don't know. It's just, it's a mess. She's not, you know, I don't think she's the answer. Um, I don't know. what What do you say? What do you say, Susan? I don't think she is. And, and the, I, like I said, I prefer Bernie to her. I he was suing him. I I, I mean, they attack him from all sides, and he normally lays down and rolls over. But um, I'm not sure. I don't know what to think about Trump either. I tell you what, there's some things, but there's some things he comes up with that I am really unhappy with. He has stated, if I become president, we're all going to be saying Merry Christmas again. That I can tell you. That I can tell you. Uh, hello, I believe in freedom of speech. He's not going to force. That's wrong. No, and, and it's well, like, and I don't think he's going to. Well, I don't think he's going to force anybody to say Merry Christmas. I say that you know one thing he's big against is you know political correctness, and and so is Ben Carson for that uh, for that matter. And and I don't know that he's going to. I don't think he's going to force people to say Merry Christmas. I'm going to say that now. He would. I think he's talking about people not being afraid to say Merry Christmas because it has these Christian connotations to it. Okay, where people are like, oh my God, they said Merry Christmas. You know, they put the, the Christ part in Christmas, and people are, can't say that because it's a link to a religion, and they can't say that. And the, people are going to get offended, and people are going to get sued, and, and things of that nature because they said Merry Christmas. They just should say. You know, oh my gosh, happy holidays. You know, I think that's what more so. I don't know if he's going to force anybody to do it, but I think it might be more so that, you know, he's going to, you know, work on you know, taking the fear away of saying it. No, oh, I, ho- I hope so. Uh, did you get my. Yeah, article, I think that's all that um, is. I sent you the article, Little Things Count, but pick your battles wisely. I sent that to you. Um. And in there it was about how 
you know, because Christians or conservatives are not always uh, above forcing people. I don't like that either, which is why I am independent, which is why I don't call myself conservative. I mean, for lack of a better word, I do to describe it to, because it, it's the word that's used, but I don't like it. Being, oh, you better say Merry Christmas. And I see this in groups, so, well, we're not going to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they got all mad at Starbucks. There's a war in Starbucks because they didn't decorate, which if you read the article, uh, because they didn't decorate their cups. And that's where I put in that thing about Trump. And it's stupid. It's stupid. I don't care. If someone doesn't want to say Merry Christmas, they want to say Happy Holidays or Happy Hanukkah or anything else, however they want to celebrate it, then let them. Uh, last year at Christmas, Christmas I got a little gift. <laughs> yeah, I got a little gift from my Muslim family. And the Jews, the Jewish family I work for used to give me a gift at Christmas, too. I mean, and snowmen and stars and sweaters setting uh, that were on the cuts. That isn't Christmas. That's not what it's about. If you're a follower of Christ, you know what it's really about. If you celebrate it as a Christian holiday, which actually we know it technically came from a heathen holiday. But, um, right. The winter uh, solstice. The, when I, right. When I called them the other day, there was a, a Christmas song that was religious playing, and a lady said Merry Christmas to me. Uh, and they have Jehovah's Witness working for them. I know someone that's a Seventh-day Adventist that works for them. They don't kick you out of the store. They don't say, are you a Christian and we're going to kick you out. I, I, I've got pictures that I put in that article that show Christmas design. Just because they had a red cup and he and Donald Trump said boycott him. Well, no. Heck no. He's not going to tell me to boycott and if I should choose to go in there. I'm not going to do it. I don't think Jesus and his followers sat in a coffee cafe figuring out how to proclaim their belief. He he knew that people were needy in spirit and soul, homeless, sick, and lonely, and that's what they did. They mingled. They, so all businesses are somewhat anti-Christian, I think, to some degree. They're, they don't they promote uh, selling expensive merchandise, decorations, Santa Claus is sitting there to give him money to take a picture of your kid sitting on his lap. You know, I mean, this is really not what Christmas is about. It's helping others. It, at that time of year, at that time of season, whether it's Kwanzaa, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's whatever, it's a it's a time of year. It's cold. That people are needy. They they don't can't afford heat. Whatever. That's what it's all about. And I think if we follow his ideals, uh, we would not be attacking someone just because they want to say Happy Holidays. Is that a way to present yourself as a Christian? I don't think so. But there's because you get all bent out of shape about it. So, you know, do it your way. But don't force others. I don't care who it is. And that's what when Reverend Aaron talked to If you happen to be part of the Starbucks is making baby Jesus cry crowd and consider adding your voice to the protest against this godless company, don't. It's not to your benefit, the benefit of fellow Christians, and that's the benefit of the kingdom to do so. And I put amen, Pastor Todd, because that's how I feel. Uh, you know, and so Donald Trump saying that, you know, what is this battle really about? I mean, is it that important that Donald Trump has to attack Starbucks? Really, I think we have more important 
things, I don't care who it is that's attacking Starbucks, we have more important crises and things, bad things going on in this world than to worry about a red cup that no longer has a design on it, for pity's sake. Yeah, and I heard a little bit about that, too, and people kind of laugh that off because it is kind of a joke, and, you know, and, you know, and, and you know, and he does say things that are, you know, pretty bombastic, you know, Clinton does, I mean, not Clinton, uh, Trump does, you know, but, I mean, some of the things that he does that says can't be uh, taken seriously, he just kind of, you know, goes with the wind. The only thing with Trump that I, you know, one, he he, he says it how it really is. He's, he's really not in a lot of things. Some things he might carry a little far, but what he does, and, and, and here's a disclaimer, I'm really not thrilled with hardly any of the candidates. Uh, out there. I know uh, next month um, I'm going to be getting ready to interview a lot of uh, folks, at least three of the presidential candidates for the Constitution Party. And uh, I'll keep folks uh, more updated on that once I hear it. Now, you know, and I think it'd be great to get some Constitution Parties in states. I mean, even in the presidency, if it's great. I mean, if if folks want to check out another party, uh, definitely I would, you know, recommend the Constitution Party. Uh, they're definitely uh, fiscal conservatives, and they're also social conservatives. And as of right now, they're much more socially conservative than even the uh, Republican Party is at this point. Uh, so if you're, you know, looking for some of that, you know, I would check out the, the Constitution Party, and, and we'll hear more from them as the election goes. Uh, but, you know, you know, when and I'll cover them, I think it's great. I think I'd like I'd like to get the you know, them in the in the system. I think that this uh, country would be better served by having a multi-party system and a voting system similar to Ireland. Uh, and perhaps we'll have you know a show on which I'd really like to do at some point is get some people people who are now I do have a professor, uh, Dr. White from Xavier University, uh, who's talked about multi-party systems and talked a little bit about the Irish political system, but I'd really like to have a show maybe dedicated uh, to that because I think it's got the best representation uh, of the people than, than anything. Um, and not just, you know, it's a parliamentary system, uh, but even the way that they vote is pre- it's pretty unique. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, it's preferential voting and where, you know, regardless of party, you know, you vote for, you know, it's, and it's more, it's more about them voting for people other than, than parties because you get to put, pick your, your preference. Like you, you have someone who is running for Keisha, uh, which is basically the prime, you know, you know, or, or president, but what the way they do is you vote for your dolls when they vote for the, the Keisha, which is kind of like their prime minister is the head of the party that, you know, wins votes. It's, it can be kind of complicated, but it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a much, I think it's much better system than ours. Uh, just for the very fact that, you know, there could be less corruption. They have to have, coalition government just in order to get anything done. It's not just, you know, a two-party system like we have uh, where now we have more of a – this duopoly is kind of more like a monopoly uh, of our political system, uh, whereas, you know, these two parties are kind of melding in uh, to one in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people think that. And, you know, and there's really not any candidates that I'm, I'm really thrilled about. I mean, I've been following politics since I was 10 years old. There's always at least one uh, when I was a Republican, Republican candidate that I was pretty, uh, you know, pretty thrilled with and, and, and pushed for uh, up and in, in, up until 2012. But this year, there's really not really not any that I'd like, you know, be, be really excited to see him in the White House. Um, so, I mean, Trump in the White House, I, I mean, I could prove to be interesting. Uh, ben Carson, I, I don't think I'm going to see it. 
Um, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, maybe, uh, and I don't think this one's going to happen, and, and that's um, Kasich or Kasich, whatever, Kasich, whatever oh, they want to call yeah. him. Um, yeah, I don't see, you know, I mean, he, he maybe just because he's got, you know, the executive experience uh, and, you know, in, you know, a large Midwestern state. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's got more executive uh, experience than, let's say, someone who was a senator. You know, I can't see Chris Christie. I just, I, I just really can't. I don't think he's got a shot. And even if he did, I don't think I'd like him uh, to be in there. But but anyway, so, uh, you know, one of the things, is, as you said earlier, is about um, – you know, you know, this is the time of year where we take care of people, and I, I'm surprised that I don't hear more of this from the Democrats and tr- trying to link Christmas in with the um, the refugees and taking care of the refugees. Oh, you know, well, when we've had heard from Obama, and some of them like that's not who we are to keep these people out. You know, these refugees out. That's not who America is. We're not a a, a country that shuts our borders. But, but here's the thing: we weren't. We weren't. But let's be honest, folks. Times have changed, and not necessarily for the better, right? I mean, think think about even when we were kids, you know, for those of us who are in our 40s. Think about us or or, or older. Think about when we were kids. We can go out and play all night. We can walk to the store ourselves. You know, we could, you know, go places. We didn't have to worry about anything. Probably didn't have to lock the door during the day. Now, look at today. We're afraid to let our kids walk to school by themselves. Okay, the kids don't go out and play. I mean, we actually have to have campaigns where people where get to get the kids outside, one, because of video games, and two, who knows if it's even safe anymore. I mean, I used to be able to walk miles away from home. I mean, how many parents want to have, let their kid walk miles away from home, you know, in order to go to a friend's house? You know, I mean, who wants to, you know, we're afraid of, you know, something either kidnapping or now terrorist stuff. Things are different now. And with us having the open borders, two things. One, we need we immigration in our country. We don't really, in my opinion, need it anymore. I mean, we don't need to build our population. Our population in this country is enough. You know, if the indigenous people here would have more kids, you know, then perhaps, you know, we, you know, we would have a steady, you know, steady population. But anyway, we don't need it. And times have changed. We can't have... There's open borders anymore. It's a nice concept. It's a great concept. It's what once, you know, made this country great. However, you know, back when, you know, we were, you know, having all these immigrants coming in, we weren't having people coming over to blow us up. We do now. We have that. And I'm not a big fan of Rubio. But one of the things that Rubio said was, you know, hey, you know, you get, you you get a thousand, this is something you got to get 100% right. You can get a thousand people over here, and they're only going to take one to kill how many people? You know, so what kind of risks? What kind of risks are we willing to take with that? So anyway, yep. so bringing about the refugees, uh, I think that was a segue. Let's play the audio, and then we'll uh, get your thoughts, Susan, uh, about what you know was Hillary saying about the refugees. Martha, we're going to turn now to refugees coming to America. And on the subject of refugees, more than half of all Americans now say they oppose taking in refugees from Syria and across the Middle East. Secretary Clinton, you have said that it would undermine who we are as Americans shutting our doors. But New Hampshire's governor, where we are right here tonight, a Democrat and a supporter of yours, is among more than 30 governors who are now concerned. 
Governor Maggie Hassan says we should halt acceptance of Syrian refugees until U.S. authorities can assure the vetting process. Halt Syrian refugees a pause. Is she wrong? Well, I agree that we have to have the toughest screening and vetting that but we can have. I don't think a halt is necessary. What we have to do is put all of our resources through the Department of Homeland Security, through the State Department, through our intelligence agencies, and we have to have an increased vetting and screening. Now, this takes, David, 18 months to 24 years, uh, to 24 months, two years. So I know it's not going to happen overnight. And everything that can be done should be done, but the process should move forward while we are also taking on ISIS, putting together the kind of strategy that I've advocated for and making sure that the vetting and the screening is as tough as possible. Because I do believe that we have a history and a tradition uh, that is part of our value system. And we don't want to sacrifice our values. We don't want to you know, make it seem as though we are turning into a nation of fear instead of a nation of resolve. So I want us to have a very tough screening process, but I want that process to go forward. And if at the end of 18 months, 24 months, there are people who have been cleared, and I would prioritize widows and orphans and the elderly, people who uh, may have relatives, families, or who have nowhere else to go, I would prioritize them. And that would, I think, give the American public a bit more of a sense of security about who is being processed and who might end up coming as refugees. Governor O'Malley, obviously you were governor uh, yourself at one time. What would Okay, and also um, one that's kind of connected with this is the threats. I was one I was actually meant to play uh, earlier. So let me go ahead and play this one, and then we'll get to get your thoughts, Susan. It is just six days before Christmas, as we all know, in this country. It's typically a joyful time, as it is this year as well, but it's also an anxious time. President Obama has acknowledged that what we saw in San Bernardino was an act of terrorism. But we remember the president said right before Thanksgiving, there is no known specific incredible intelligence indicating a plot on the homeland. We now know that this couple had assembled an arsenal. They were not on law enforcement's radar. They were completely undetected. So as we approach another holiday, with the president again saying late this week, no credible threat, Secretary Clinton, how confident should the American people be that there aren't others like that couple right now in the U.S. going undetected? And what would you do as president to find them? Well, first, the most important job of being president is obviously to keep our country safe and to keep the families of America safe. Uh, I have a plan that I've put forward to go after ISIS, uh, not to contain them, but to defeat them. And it has three parts. First, uh, to go after them and deprive them of the territory they occupy now in both Syria and Iraq. Secondly, to go after and dismantle their global network of terrorism, and thirdly, to do more to keep us safe. Under each of those three parts of my plan, I have very specific recommendations about what to do. Obviously, in the first, we do have to have a, an American-led air campaign. We have to have Arab and Kurdish troops on the ground Secondly, we've got to go after everything from North Africa to South Asia and beyond. And then, most importantly, here at home. I think there are three things that we have to get right. We have to do the best possible job of sharing intelligence and information. 
that now includes the Internet because we have seen that ISIS is a very effective recruiter, propagandist, and inciter and celebrator of violence. That means we have to work more closely with our great tech companies. They can't see the government as an adversary. We can't see them as obstructionists. We've got to figure out how we can do more to understand who is saying what and what they're planning. And we must work more closely with Muslim American communities. Just like Martin, I met with a group of Muslim Americans this past week to hear from them about what they're doing to try to stop radicalization. They will be our early warning signal. That's why we need to work with them, not demonize them as the Republicans have been doing. David, I am very Thank you. Okay. And what, what's your thoughts on, on both of those, Susan? And then I'll, I'll turn with Mike. Go ahead. Well, if they don't want to be demonized, I guess they have to say, I support the Constitution above Sharia law. Otherwise, sorry, that is, you know, and Hillary Clinton never said anything about, she never said anything about, you know, how we're going to deal with Sharia law in this country where they're trying to force in schools as kids to say Muslim prayers and different things like that and I don't have a problem with them not eating pork and doing things. I don't either. And You're I more have pork to tell, for me. No. <laughs> I have to tell, you know, different I, love I pork. know I don't eat pork. Okay. But by faith, we believe it's an unclean meat. And um, we don't eat lobster, shrimp. It's all part of the unclean is what we call. I don't know how they feel about that. I just know about the pork thing. But, um, they can't go and kill their wives or their daughters if they feel that they've done something wrong. I mean, this is not, if they're here, they have to obey our rules. And some do, I think, to a, a degree. But how is she going to deal with that is what I want to know. If she says they're going to work and warn us, are they going to be the Paul Revere of, you know, the British are coming, so to speak, uh, or is this just something they're saying to support her, I guess? Yeah, and then that she's talking about, you know, you know, as I said earlier, this is a, here we are to the block, and we have to have, you know, these strict, you know, uh, you know, you know, strict uh, the, to look over them and, and things of that nature of these of these refugees. And one thing she didn't uh, put in there is. We would be feeding them. They, we would be clothing them. We would be entertaining them. You know, it's like it's not like these folks are going to be coming in and contributing to the economy of the United States. They're actually going to be draining the economy of the United States. You know, I mean, they're going to be, exactly. going to be feeding them with food stamps. We're going to we're going to be, you know sheltering them with um, you know with government. Uh, Subsidized housing. We're going to close them. We're probably going to give them give them an Obama phone. You know, where, who they can. You know, one of them could probably call their you know jihadist friends over. Okay, I'm being facetious when I say that. You know, but seriously, I mean, we're going to be taking them. I don't see any. You know, except maybe as as a piece of goodwill. But look at France did when France got attacked. They closed their borders. Okay, we didn't do that. We won't do that. You know, I think it's, you know, as I said earlier, times have changed. These are things that we're going to have to do. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just unfortunate. I mean, think about it. Remember, freedom supposedly started in France, and look what they did. You know what I mean? 
I mean, what, what, where do you think we got the red, white, and blue of our flag? We got the red, white, and blue of our flag from the colors of France, you know? Um, so, you know, let's go ahead and um, – and actually that's where uh, Ireland got their tricolor flag idea from too uh, was uh, France. So anyway, you know what? So things are going to have to change. We're going to have to change because the world has changed. And for her to think that you know you're you're going to be able to do things as is, you know, as they have been doing, which I don't see where she's talked about any kind of changes. You know, it's just it's not going to be effective. I mean, if you're not willing to change with the world, I mean, you're you're doing doing outdated modes. So we're, you know, it's just it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to be trusted. We need someone who's going to be doing things differently than they have been before. And the only person I hear about doing things differently, let's be honest, is Trump. And now I'm not a big fa- Trump fan, to be honest. I, I don't know how he would do in the general election uh, against Hillary. I don't know how he'd be, frankly, uh, as a politician. But let's think about this, folks. I mean, dang, we've been having these career politicians like Hillary Clinton – you know, like a lot of these other folks, you know, for how many years, what has gotten done? What has gotten done? It's the same thing. You know, Ben Carson put this right. That's why I like Ben Carson. He's like, look, you know, our politicians were supposed to be citizen statesmen and, you know, and stateswomen, you know, as well, of course. But states, you know, statesmen. I mean, and I'm, I wouldn't get as far as to say Trump is a statesman. I mean, let's be honest. You know, there's a certain point of decorum when it comes to, you know, being considered a statesman. But my point is, is you've got citizens who are concerned about what's going on in this country, okay, saying, I need to do something about this. I'm going to put my personal and my professional life on hold. And let's be honest, both Trump and Ben Carson, and in a sense, Fair Reno has as well, has put their, their personal and their business lives on hold to run for president for this country. And that's how it used to be. It wasn't, you know, then they do their term and then they're out. You know, I mean, Clinton has been in politics for how long? Do I understand the argument that, hey, look, we need people with experience. We need people who have connections. Let's be honest. But Fiorina and Trump have, and I'm a, once again, not a Fiorina fan either. Okay. But, you know, they do have connections through business to certain, you know, world leaders, things of that nature. Okay, they might not be, but here's the thing: they have the connections and with these people to talk to these people. But I don't think they've been in, in bed with these people like Hillary Clinton has. I don't think they've been in bed with these people as Hillary Clinton has. Yes, I know. I said that twice. Okay, <laughs> but that's for emphasis. Uh, you know, that's for emphasis. And so, you know, the reason I'm like, well, you know what? Let's try it. Maybe let's try a Trump. Let's try Fiorina. Let's, eh, let's not try Fiorina. I don't like her. Um, you know, Sorry let's either. try, um, you know, a Ben Carson. I really, you know, I, I'm concerned about Ben Carson, you know. Well, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing about Ben Carson. All right. If Ben Carson was to be the nominee, which I don't think he will be, but let's pretend and say he is, they can't come back and say he's inexperienced. I mean, what kind of experience besides being a, you know, a senator for a little while did did uh, did Obama have? I mean, really. And back to the you know the the, the citizen statesman. 
if, if at least if Trump got in there, at least he's not a career politician. I mean, seriously, folks, how much worse can Donald Trump do than what Obama has done? What some of the other politicians, both Republican and Democrat, have done? How much worse can he do? He really can't. Was he going to piss off the you know people in the Middle East? Hell, they hate us anyway. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, you know, he knows he's business savvy. You know, things of that nature. You know, so when it comes to you know to economics, you know, but we've we've tried this, and and Fiorina did say this one time. It's always and think about this, folks. For those of you, and I know a lot of you folks listening, are you know have been following politics for a long time as well. And think about this. Think about what we're talking about today. Okay? Think about what we're talking about today. And I'm not talking about us here on the show. I'm talking about when you're watching the debates. Isn't it the same damn thing, excuse my French, but the same thing that we've been talking about for decades now? Immigration. Okay? The debt. You know, we're talking about some one war or another. Okay? It's always something. I mean, we haven't had something since the 60s. And how, how many, you know, with the, with the space program I mentioned earlier, you know, and, and getting into space. I mean, we haven't talked anything about that for what, you know, 50-plus years, 55 years since we've talked about something like that. That's half a century, half a century. And I'm getting you know, kind of fired up because, you know, uh, we see this. It's like for, for 50 years, a half a century, what the hell have we gotten done? What the hell have we gotten accomplished? And, and, and it just gets frustrating because I've been following politics for 30 years. And I'm like, it's the same darn thing over and over again. Trump is – and let's think about it. I mean – Trump is the one who started, and everyone's no one says it as much as Trump is. We will make America great again. Well, we're getting, the only way we're going to be able to make America great again is by doing something different. And I'm not hearing anything different from anybody else but Donald Trump. You know, as I said earlier, I'm not excited about a lot of them, but by God, at least we got something different for for a change. And I've talked long enough. What do you think, uh, Susan? Um, Well, of course, you know I'm a Rand Paul fan. And truthfully, I think he stands alone on a lot of issues, fighting things. And uh, I like his policies and everything. What? He does. And I've I've got a friend at work who really likes Rand Paul. And I like a lot of what he says, but there's a couple things that makes me not trust him. But go ahead. Oh, what what don't you trust? Well, here's the thing. Um, one is he's had two opportunities, once in 2012 and once uh, in 2014, to stick with principles, okay, and he didn't do it. And this is what I mean by that. In 2012, you still had a – you still had a conservative – Running for running for the the Republican nomination, and that was Newt Gingrich. Ron uh, Rand Paul had the opportunity to endorse. Okay, he had the opportunity to endorse a conservative. He didn't do that. He endorsed 
Mitt Romney. So he had so when he had the opportunity to vote for someone, you know, who was really conservative, he didn't do it. He vote, he supported the establishment candidate. And so, you know, that that's one of the things that um makes me wary. And then and, and you know what, since we're talking about it, we've got time. Uh let me go back to two thousand and twelve and play this audio. Back to Hannity and during the spirited Republican primary this election season, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul was out on the trail campaigning for his father, Texas Congressman Ron Paul. But tonight he is here to make a major announcement about 2012 and the presidential race. And we welcome back to the program Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Sir, how are you? Hey, good to see you, Sean. All right. Um, first of all, before you say what I think you're going to say, did you check in with your congressman father? presidential candidate, well, I guess officially finally uh, dropped out of the race. Well, you know, uh, my first choice had always been my father. I campaigned for him when I was 11 years old. He's still my first pick. But, you know, now that the nominating process is over, tonight I'm uh, happy to announce that I'm going to be supporting Governor Romney. Yeah. How do you – look, um, if you didn't support your father, by the way, I mean, I would really question family loyalty there, uh, and I think it was totally understandable. And I know, you know what, you love and you respect your dad, and I agree with your dad on many issues. I have no idea why he's still mad at me, and he would reject coming on this program, but that's a whole different story for another day. How, um, tell me why you're supporting Governor Romney. Well, you know, I think it's interesting that Governor Romney and I actually have quite a few similarities. You know, Governor Romney's dad ran for president and was unsuccessful. Governor Romney then went on to support the nominee the same way his dad did. Governor Romney comes from a big family. Um, I don't know them that well, but I think it's a big, loving family. So do I. I come from a family with five kids. Governor Romney has five kids. He's had a long and happy marriage. So have my parents. I think we have a lot of the same family values and uh, trust and, and feeling uh, of the importance of the family unit. And so that, I think, uh, draws a kinship between our families. But I met with him recently. I had about a 30-minute meeting with him. He was nice enough to uh, meet with me when he was in Washington recently. And we talked about a lot of issues. It was a free-ranging discussion. And we talked about issues, frankly, that are important to me, that are important to my dad and to many of his followers. And many of these, you know, Governor Romney's already taken a position on. One of the big issues for our supporters, for myself and my dad, is auditing the Fed. We think there needs to be more transparency to the Fed and more oversight by Congress. And this is something that Governor Romney uh, was supportive of throughout his campaign and also was supportive of in private to me. We talked about other issues that are important to my dad's followers. My dad has a legion of young followers who are on the Internet, and they think they rule the Internet. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they're very concerned about the freedom of the Internet. There's been legislation recently, SOPA, that Governor Romney came out in the debates and was opposed to this SOPA, which would uh, – take away some of the process of ownership on the Internet, and we were very afraid that it would limit Internet freedom, and Governor Romney's right there with us on those issues also. So I think there's a lot of kinship on those issues. Uh, another big issue for me is the RAINS Act. I'm the chief sponsor in the Senate on a, a bill that would say that any major regulation, and I think we've got so much over-regulation now, but any major rule or regulation that would cost the economy over $100 million should have to come back and be voted on in Congress. Yeah. And uh, Governor Romney's right there with me on that issue. So I think we have a lot in common, a lot of things that we well, will be able to fight together on. 
But, Senator, two issues you didn't mention that I believe this is a choice election. And on Obamacare, there is one major difference. Uh, even on issues of spending, even though maybe you don't agree that, that for example, the Ryan plan goes fast enough, uh, I know you support and you've signed on to the, the Mac Penny plan. I hope that goes through. Governor Romney, when I asked him about it, seemed pretty intrigued by the idea. But when it comes to fiscal responsibility, Obamacare, there are vast differences here. Do you think this country could afford five, uh, four more years of Obama? No, I mean, my state is really suffering. We stand to lose 50,000 jobs in the coal industry if President Obama continues. I think one thing that uh, Governor Romney would make as a president is he would bring a more balanced approach to regulation. We're going to have some regulation. Some regulation actually protects the environment. But President Obama's allowed the tilt and the balance to go so far that he's crushing the economy now and crushing jobs. And I think Governor Romney would have a more balanced approach to regulation. Well, energy and in general. we sorely need that. Excuse me? Yeah, energy in general, Senator. I mean, he's for all the above. He'll start drilling immediately, and he's been very clear about that. Those 50,000 jobs you mentioned in Kentucky, and we can go to West Virginia, and we can go to other places, and fracking, and all these other things. He's in support of all these things, which we all know that President Obama is not. Well, you know, the energy industry, the oil and gas industry, employs 9.2 million people and pays 86 million. Okay, so there was more of that clip, but, you know, my, my point was made. Uh, and we do have a Mitch on the line. He's going to give us a synopsis of our uh, coverage of our show for next week. And uh, Mitch will be getting you on shortly. Uh, but first, we're going to finish our thoughts uh, pertaining to uh, our current discussion, and then we'll move on uh, later on with uh, coming tonight. And so, uh, you know, talking about is when he said the nomination process was over. It was not. There was still Newt Gingrich was still running for president. There was still even an opportunity for a brokered convention. So, then the nomination process is not, and, and, and Rand Paul knows this. The nomination process is not over until the convention. It's not, and the convention still did not happen. I mean, they, you know, people, there were still people, and I know many of them, and there was, we were, you know, there was many people working behind the scenes, um, you know, to get a broker convention. You know, I was, you know, in, you know, in part, you know, talking with people. I was actually an active member of that group, you know, working towards a broker convention. Um, obviously, it didn't happen, but that's because you had all these roles that were, um, you know, changed during the, con you know, during the convention by the, you know, GOP uh, leadership, the RNC leadership. Uh, so, but, you know, Rand Paul, as you know, uh, you know, Susan has a lot of influence with folks, and he had the opportunity to stay with somebody who, but he was looking out, you know, he was looking out for his own political career, much like he did in 2015, or I'm sorry, 2014, which I don't have an audio of this, but you can look back in the news, where he had the opportunity to, uh, to endorse the now governor of Kentucky, uh, Matt Bevin, who we've interviewed here on the show three times, okay, when Matt Bevin was running for Senate, primary against Mitch McConnell. But Rand Paul, instead of endorsing Matt Bevin in the primary against Mitch McConnell, he endorsed Mitch McConnell instead of Matt Bevin. So that was another opportunity where he looked out after his career more so than he looked out, you know, 
out after, you know, what would have been the principal thing to do. Those are the best sex couple of problems I have. You know, Grand Paul, he does say a lot of things, but, you know, when it comes to principal, I mean, he really had two opportunities right there to show principal, and he didn't. Well, I, when it comes to Mitt Romney, I have no doubt the New World Order would have allowed Mitt to do some things good. They, they put a Republican in there two steps forward, two steps back, and, and, you know, they put a Democrat in, so they kind of pick and choose who they want in. And Rand may have seen the writing on the wall, but he, I think he did go along with him because Mitch did tentatively promise him the VP. Instead, he picked that idiot, Paul Ryan. And um, I don't, I don't get the McConnell thing, except they said, well, you always endorse the one that's there, so to speak, the one that's already in place. And I think McConnell, again, just like Mitt, did promise him, I'll endorse you and back you for president. So, yeah, you're right that to some degree he's looking out. There is that scratch my back, I'll scratch yours attitude. And I hate McConnell, but I will say when it comes to Kentucky, he has gone to bat for them because he knows he'll be voted out if he doesn't uh, when it comes to the coal industry. So yeah, so, he has you know, yeah. he has fought for his own state. Yeah, you know, so as I said, I mean, he had the opportunity to, you know, do what, you know, what I thought was the, you know, was the principal thing, uh, and he didn't. You know, he, he kind of was playing it safe, you know, looking after himself instead of conservative, and that just doesn't seem principal to me. And we could, you know, you know talk about maybe that more on another show maybe tonight uh but we do have to move on with other uh, audio that i have but first i also want to bring in uh mitch who is going to be telling us uh a little bit giving us a synopsis of what we're going to be covering next week which will be the last week of the 2015 year and so uh we definitely want to uh you know to come to that show and listen into what mitch uh is going to be talking about and let me give you a little background before i bring you in mitch is that, uh, of course, you know, here on uh, Bard's Logic, is we do welcome uh, for folks who listen to the show uh, to bring in their ideas of topics that they would like to hear uh, on the show and share with others. Uh, and that's what we call this, you know, Bard's Logic Grassroots We the People Show. Uh, this is your show. So I really like when people bring uh, their own topics that they would like to have covered. Now, we will be continuing our coverage of the election throughout the 2016 so that's not going to change, uh, but we are going to have uh, other things in, such as when uh, folks out there, you know, want to bring on their topics uh, of discussion, namely what Mitch is going to be talking about in a few uh, moments here. And so uh, the way to do that is just to go to the Bards Logic Political Talk website at uh, com and go to the uh, contact page, and that's where you can send me an email uh, in order to uh, get your idea and your topic on the show and just, you know, bring me some information as Mitch has uh, so we can have that be part of our uh, discussion. Again, that's www.bardslogic.com and just go to the uh, contact page and we'll be doing some updates, things of that nature uh, towards the closing of the year or in the beginning of next year uh, on that. So uh, looking forward to it. Have it. And normally they will be on uh, our Wednesday night, normal night shows, but there may be 
additional shows for for that for when people call in or I'm, I'm seeing contact me uh, about uh, calling in for their topics. Uh, we may do those on Fridays. Uh, however, uh, this one is going to be on our next show on the 30th, which is uh, the last uh, show of the year. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Mitch, uh, to give us a little background synopsis of what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you? Hi, hi, Robert. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank you for allowing me. Thank you, Cindy and, and Kelly and Susan, for also allowing me to grace your your lovely presence on your show. And um, Yeah, Robert, I, first of all, I want to let you know that I'm just carrying, as we speak, a beautiful American flag on my back, on my shoulder, actually. And I can tell you that I would never allow this beautiful, amazing flag, free flag, constitutional flag, to drop on the ground because this is a country of liberty, this is a country of justice, and this is a country of freedom of, for all. And I just really, I've been here for 22 years, I did the right way as an, as an immigrant from South Africa, coming here with my family, and I just want to take my hat off, first of all, to thank you as Americans and the American listeners and the American people for allowing an immigrant like myself to come into your home, to come and live in your land, work in your country, own a business in your country, and, 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 and it, it's amazing. So God bless you, and thank you for allowing me to grace you on your show. Oh, yeah, we, we appreciate it. Uh, and where, you know, I believe you called it to the show before, had you not? I haven't, no. I was a listener, and I've been on, I've been in the chat room, but I just, your, your uh, uh, chat room, okay. your... Uh, yeah, your um, uh, show uh, you know caught my eye, and I was like, no, this is good energy, a good vibration, and people who have conscience. So I just wanted to reach out to you, like you said at your at your website on your email, about this so such serious issue that I would love to share, and you've given me the time to share next week. Yeah, no, well, the reason I ask is uh, a few weeks ago we had a gentleman on uh, who was you know an immigrant in the in the uh, in the country, been here for a while. Um, and definitely was very appreciative of, you know, coming here. And, you, and I don't mind folks coming in. I just want them to come in legally uh, and go through the process uh, that needs to happen. Because, I mean, I know you, you, know, you and the other gentleman who called in probably worked really hard to get here. It's like coming into your house. It's like going into Susan's house or going to your, yours or Kelly's house. And you're welcoming in and like, say, Mitch, you can, welcome, you can stay here, but you know what? You've got to contribute. You've got to uh, uh, respect my laws. You can't come in with your own laws. You can't come in with a way that I don't know anything about you. So, And you can bite the hand that feeds you. There has to be a vetting process. There has to be a legal process of law because that is a respect to the country that you are coming into. You know, whether you're coming from a genocidal country or, or you know, or just a, a, a political refugee or an asylum Asali, you have to go through it the right way. And I think America is fed up of just being taken advantage of. So how I came in 1995 with my family, we did it legally, and we have been treated such incredibly with, with the American way. We've had 20, I've had, I mean myself, I've had 22 years of freedom, no war, no starvation, no famine. I can live. Americans have been so uh, 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 accommodating. You know, people people around the world and have have given American Americans a bad name. And every time I talk to American people, they actually a little ashamed of calling themselves Americans. And I'm like, no, don't be ashamed of calling yourself an American, because if it wasn't for you and your land and your forefathers and your GIs that went. We, most of the world, this world is in darkness. We wouldn't have a land. We wouldn't have freedom. We wouldn't have 
capital, uh, or, uh, capitalism in terms of the way of free market, basically, in a constitutional law. So to pledge allegiance to this country it's, is an honor. I just want to let you guys know that. Well, appreciate that. It's where are you originally from? Originally from South Africa. And in 1995, I came with my mom and my dad and my sister and my grandmother to form another life. And in that time, America was adored. And uh, uh, you can't believe, guys. I mean, America, 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 America. We're going to America. The glitz, the glamour, the American people. And I want to, uh, you know, made in the USA meant something. And and everyone was backing America and honoring America and uplifting America. And we had the manufacturing base that wasn't sold off to communist slave labor China for for consumerism that has made us fat and and, and, and lazy and 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 just. You know, uh, zombified, I guess you can call. We stood for something. It was built by American hard labor, frontier workmen. And, you know, regardless of the, of, of the candidates, I just think that peop- uh, the American, anyone who stands for the American people, anyone who stands for the American Constitution, and anyone who stands for the American spirit needs to lead this country because that is what is lacking. It's not the government. I don't put my faith and stock in the government me personally being here for so long I put my faith, my heart my body, my being, my spirit and my soul in an allegiance in the United States uh, flag, the American constitution the republic for which it stands and I pledge allegiance to that and that's what we need back that's, we need a leader whether it's from the Democrats Republicans, most, you know, whatever, whatever it is a true American that can come and lead us out of this mess that's what I feel I think it's appropriate to share this before I go into what I'm, I would love to share on your show next week, because I think you would appreciate that as Americans. Yeah, we certainly do. It's it's, it's nice to hear. Cause, you know, lately we haven't been hearing uh, much good things, uh, you know, about it from folks. So we really appreciate uh, you bringing that to the show. Oh no, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my background is also Robert in international human rights and genocide, and. Um, I studied at the University of Georgia when I first found out about this most serious human rights atrocity that is the largest since the Nazi Holocaust in, 1940, in the 1940s. And it has to do with the spiritual movement, um, people, everybody. Um, and I really hope you will tune in next week. I'm not going to go into, into detail because there's so much information, but um, just briefly I'll give you a little bit of synopsis as uh, uh, Robert has allowed me to. Basically, this is a spiritual movement, a very simple mind and body practice, namely Falun Gong, uh, a mind and body practice like a type of Chinese yoga with a spiritual routine and a uni- universal principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. The universal principles as they are in Christianity and Judaism and in Protestantism and Catholicism that create and improve a moral character that is good for business, is good for relationships, is good for family, is good for a country, it's good for citizens, because it teaches compassion, teaches truthfulness to be with yourself and with others. And Falun Gong, uh, as it's spelled F-A-L-U-N, another word, G-O-N-G, became the largest holistic uh, spiritual practice or movement in communist China between 1992 and 1998, where it also incorporates five exercises in meditation, which when you stretch, you unblock the energy channels, quite profound and inspiring to human health. So it became the opiate of the Chinese people, 
one out of every 12 Chinese national citizens started to practice. And by 1998, between 70 and 100 million practitioners were practicing. And uh, by 1999, unfortunately, it was outlawed by the sinister communist dictatorship that is still in power today. It's pretty much funding the known terrorists in this world uh, in North Korea and is backing a lot of the the known terrorists in, in, in Southeast Asia and in uh, Africa and also behind the scenes with ISIS, which I'll get into next week as well with intelligence reports um, a little bit, you know. But with Falun Gong, with the human rights atrocity uh, uh, centered and focused and targeted on this group, that's 100 million people, 10% of the population. The communist regime, the Chinese Communist Party, the official title of the reign of terror uh, gangster regime that has run China between since, since 1949 and now for 50-plus years, launched an outright brutal attack similar to the Nazis, but 10 times worse in terms of propaganda machines, military force, and not only slandered this particular practice as an evil, demonic, sinister cult, as they have done in, in China to Christianity and Tibetans and Catholics and house, house Christians, but they were, then started to send... The, the communist regime started to send uh, millions. Uh, the reports have just concerned, uh, confirmed uh, recently. Before tens of thousands, now the reports after 16 plus years of this uh, atrocity, uh, several million, uh, to be precise, uh, Falun Gong practitioners, two death camps, and over 700 hospitals, all state mandated. That's why this is the most the largest atrocity in human history since the, in modern history since the Holocaust, because it has been state mandated and sta- state systematically arranged by the communist dictatorship from the highest levels of the communist party to send millions of Falun Gong practitioners to these death camps, cut out of their organs while alive sell the organs, remove them and sell the organs as the healthiest organs in the world to the medical associations and wealthy donors around the world at any time, cremate and burn the bodies in the crematories and the ovens and then sell the bodies without any paperwork and consent to the body exhibitions around the world that the German uh, uh, founder of the body exhibitions wrote into contractual obligation to do with the, one of the archfiends of the communist regime, Boshi Lai, between 1999 and now. So uh, it's a new kind of evil, folks, and I really hope you can tune in next week. I'm also going to, if uh, Robert will allow me, I've contacted Dr. Noto, Damon Noto out of New York, and he is part of Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting.org, a board of uh, doctors around the world, and he's going to come on actually uh, a forerunner in the the investigations that confirmed that this is going on. And I'm also going to try and get, uh, Robert, the former Secretary of State to the Canadian uh, uh, um, Affairs um, uh, Sector of the, of the Canadian Parliament, David Kilgore, who was the first one with David Mattis, another international human rights lawyer in, uh, in Canada, to confirm the allegations that this was going on and that this is going on on a large scale more than we can ever know. A new kind of evil is coined. Uh, that we haven't seen on this planet uh, on such a large-scale, unprecedented scope, size, and magnitude. Yeah, definitely welcome uh, to have them both on. Uh, just you know, send me an email. Can you post it? Uh, if they'll be making it, so I can put it in the 
description uh, promo uh, of the show, if, you know, they're both uh, or either one of them are able to make it on there. I certainly will. And, folks, you know, I know there's a lot going on in this beautiful country of ours. I know there's a lot going on, you know, uh, with ISIS and the terrorism. But fear not, because America is the land of love. It's a, it's a, it's a land of, 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 of light. And, and, and American, the American spirit will not collapse. And, uh, and, and please tune in next week if you can. And to foreshadow the show, um, if you would like to, you can consider going to www.stoporganharvesting.org. The two videos are there that precisely shares what this Falun Gong is about and why it has been persecuted, plus the evidence that is there uh, under the, uh, the category. So thank you, Robert and, and Susan and Cindy. Um, and hopefully wait, wait, wait. Yeah, sorry. Are you, on, are you on Facebook? Yes, I am, madam. Yes, I am. I am. Well, what, what is your name? What is your name? My, my name is Mitchell. Who, who am I speaking to? Susan, well, I, Susan. I have a Facebook I have a Facebook group, and there's a guy that posts on that that's in my group. Uh, and I maybe that's, him about, that's that's me. I, that's you. I think that's me, Mitchell Nicholas Gerber. Yeah, I I I've joined many like human rights groups, political groups, just to. Get, I made a video. That's you! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> and I sent you blogging. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, that's okay. So, no, Susan, because you have the government government bites. That's that's you. Yes. Yeah, that's you. Oh, <laughs> wonderful world. Oh, such an honor to meet you. Such a pleasure. No, it's great. Oh, Thank you so much. It's nice to meet you. Oh no, my you, gosh! You know, yeah, Susan. Yeah, so... People like you. People like you, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege because people you don't know how many people ignore and turn their backs. I'll tell you one I'll tell you one thing before I, uh, before I'll, you know you guys get back to your 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 uh, your uh, your show because you know next week people would like to listen. I've got a whole lot plethora of stuff I can share yes. with you. Yes. Miss World Canada was denied entry to the Miss World pageant in China, a native-born Chinese and was denied by the Chinese Communist Party from entering into China because she simply would not give up her faith in the Falun Gong spiritual movement and exposing, she would not keep quiet and silence herself for exposing also the human rights abuses against the House Christians and the Tibetans and the Falun Gong on the organ harvesting, which I'm going to share with you next week. So she went on a campaign, a, a, a media frenzy, to talk about this and press conferences and to the National Review Club in Washington, Canada, you name it. And she pleaded to the, Washington, to the, World, the, the Miss World Committee, and you know what happened? The Miss World Committee was bribed for $4 million, uh, some, some uh, amount, some, I, I read, I have to get the exact amount, so it was some uh, amount just like this to keep quiet, turn their backs, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, and don't say anything about the world, uh, Miss World. And that is not a leader. That person cannot lead. That is, that is a dangerous person to be in power because that, has, that, that person shows there's no morals, there's no integrity. I don't care if you're a massive billionaire like Donald Trump or a, a poor, hard-working person like Marco Rubio. You've got to lead with integrity, heart, and you've got to have some balls, obviously. 
But coming back to you, Susan, the reason why I I I, I, um, I want to con- contrast this is because out of your free will and testament, you didn't have to. You you got so much going on in your own country. You got so many. Go- you got probably two beautiful, wonderful children. You got a family. You're a, you're a beautiful, busy woman. You took the time to listen to me. You took. We know when, when many people don't. Not even my own friends. And you reached out. And I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart because that's courage. That shows me that, that, that you're an amazing individual. And that's, that's what a leader and a person is made of. And I wish, I wish you would be elected as an official to lead the people because that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of guts, uh, heart, and, 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 and chutzpah, as I say in a Jewish way, that a person is made of to get this country right. So thank you again. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, that is absolutely no problem. I couldn't believe it when I, I was like, uh, you know, we need to do something. I don't know what. We can't just go to battle with them, but there's got to be things we can do to stop it, you know. I mean, and it's communism there. It's just, I'm going to have my friend on there. I'm going to tell him. Um, sure. Cause remember I told you about Paul and how he lived in China for 12 years? Paul, uh, did you, uh, Paul Alexander? No, no, no. Um, okay, okay. Paul Sanner. He's in my, okay. he's in my group, and... Okay. He lived there and taught English, okay. and he can tell you things about China. So I'm going to get him on there next week to listen to you, too, and he can to. make comments about his experiences and what he knows, too. You, you know, so, you know, I, love it. I love it that you fight for these people. I, I wouldn't have known anything about it except citing the petition in downtown Boise, Idaho. I mean, and a little Chinese lady was so sweet. I, t- I told her in Chinese because Paul told me how to tell her she was beautiful. And, you know, she was probably in her late 70s. Or, and she'd been to their camps and survived. They hadn't cut her open, but they had tortured her or did brain whatever on her. And, you know, where they try to correct you. Uh, absolutely. And what's unfortunate, coming back to the American, because I like to contrast, because it's a very, very serious situation that's going on in America. And, every, you know, I love Americans, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to scapegoat anybody. That's not the way to do it. I, I wish we can bring everyone together and you know have a, over a campfire with a cup of coffee and some marshmallows. But the reality is that people are very dangerously mm-hmm. dead. And the communist, leftist, liberal um, uh, uh, faction in this country have been very misled by the um, the, 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 the the communist the, the communist in, in the communist regime in China ever since it stuck its claws into the American treasuries. It's heavily influenced Obama to not move on anything. And the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, George Soros, yeah. they all want America to completely, completely collapse. These, um, they want to destroy the American Constitution. They want to destroy the American Second Amendment, which I'm fully in favor of, because if we lose that Second Amendment, then we're losing the First Amendment quick as well. The Fourth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment, and now the Fifth Amendment. We can't even have a proper search and seizure. They don't even need a warrant to come into your house anymore. This is, this is against constitutional values. Your forefathers, J- J- Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, are turning over in their graves, wondering what has gone on. And, and, and I'm sure a lot of the GIs who lost their lives and thousands in, 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 on Iwo, Iwo, Iwo Jima and in, on D-Day in Normandy thinking, what did we fight for when this has come to this? And I hope Donald Trump, if he comes in, can be a constitutional uh, constitutionalist. I heard Robert talking uh, with, with Ram, uh, playing Rand Paul. He, I, what I like about Rand Paul is he's a constitutionalist, but then I don't think he's going to make it in. He hasn't got that push. I wish he had that push. His father, uh, his father didn't have the push. He doesn't have the push, but he's got the constitutional values. 
which is good. Right. But maybe Ted Cruz and Donald Trump can team up. But um, I saw it was very interesting because I saw on Alex Jones the other day, I just saw because I saw a Donald Trump interview and they were talking. And because um, I like to hear what Donald Trump has to say because this, is, this guy's leading in every poll. He's, you know, he's probably instilling that passion, that vigor, that vibrance in the American people who have been so wanting of a leader already. And the American left hate him because, and they want to assassinate him. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump was asked, listen, you know, you're not going to Ross Perot and the death threats, Alex Jones, you're not going to Ross Perot and and the death threats, you know, because, you know, I talked to the same guys that you talked to. I know people think Alex Jones is a conspiracy nut, but I was very intrigued about the interview because Donald Trump actually took the initiative to go on to Alex Jones, which is more underground resistance, more on the, you know, on the conspiracy theories with most people, but on some people, but for, for me, I, I, I like to listen to all sides. And he asked Donald Trump, he said, you know, Ross Perot, you're going to Ross Perot, you're under death threats. And he says, no, I'm going full in, and I'm going to, we, 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 you know, uh, we're going to get this country right. We can do it all now. All the algorithms mm-hmm. are, are in. The, the numbers are in, but we've got to turn around now because we can't have another four years of this nonsense. We'll never survive. And so, and this political correctness, everyone's getting offensive. I mean, even Yale students, I mean, these are top Princeton University, Yale, Harvard. They're all, I mean, against, I mean, they're all signing petitions to re- to, to uh, receive the Constitution, uh, the, the first, re- repeal the Constitution, the First Amendment. I mean, how can you do this? That's what America's based on. You can say what you want to say. That's the beauty of America. In China, even this conversation, they would have been locked onto you so far. They would be bashing down your door, Susan. They'll be bashing down your door, Robert. They'll be bashing down my door. And they will be monitoring all your listeners. They will be threatening, taking away your children, freezing all your bank accounts, and we'll be off to death camps. Okay? But not in, China, not in, not in America yet. So that's where we're lucky. We still, can, we still have the freedom to sit in meditation. We still have the freedom to read books, whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Christian Bible, whether it's the Torah, whether it's the Catholic uh, uh, Bible, uh, the, the, the Mormon Bible. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, we can go on. We can have conversations like this. And this is why America is great. Unless, you know, unless you're going to threaten somebody or you're going to put your hands on somebody, that's different. But um, even the Second Amendment, people say, oh, guns are bad. Guns. No, 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 no. There are patriots out there. There are sovereign citizens out there. They, I mean, it's it, 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 it's a constitutional law, and I was heard from a very good constitutionalist that the Second Amendment is the most important amendment because it protects all the others from tyranny. And it's not about having a gun to kill out somebody. It's about protecting and saving our communities and our and, and the lives of each other. And we're not domestic terrorists. We're not radical conservatists. We're not nut jobs. We want to protect the family. I don't have a gun, but you know what? I believe in the Second Amendment, not just because it's a fishing and, and, and hunting license, but because it is something that protects the people, and especially with this ISIS. That is just anyone who kills in cold blood. And if they think that they, what they're doing is honorable, think again, guys, because it ain't honorable. It's, there's no honor in killing someone in cold blood. There's no honor. And, if, and no God, no God. Whether you're Jesus, whether you're Buddha, whether you're St. Mary, even, I, I'm telling you, even Allah himself would never allow these people to kill and behead and rape and force women to, to have sex with them and kill them off mm-hmm. and indoctrinate children to kill and cut. I mean, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw the last ISIS video when they, they indoctrinated children 
to 10-year-old kids to cut a man's throat right there and then. And they did it so Hollywood-esque. And I'm thinking, is this the morality that these people think is going to lead them to victory and some paradise? You know what? Muslims are Muslims. I don't, if you're an American Muslim, there are imams that came out, 102 imams. They were kicked out of their mosques because they said, they agree with Donald Trump because they understand what he means. He's not a racist. He's not a bigot. I don't believe he is. He's not against Muslim friends. He's a very good businessman with the Muslims. He's just saying it, it is a process. I understand it clearly as an immigrant. I understand the process. And you just can't come in here. Let me tell you something, Robert, And if, if, because I'm in a tangent right now, but since we're on the, on the topic, I went to Canada. You know how hard it is to get into Canada? I went into Canada. I was going to get married. I got deported on my wedding day. Because they won't allow. Oh my gosh! People. Yes, they won't allow a person in. And I'm an American resident. I thought, you know, Canada and America has a strategic partnership, but yet we have to protect. And I realized that at, at that time, we have to protect the sovereignty, the sovereignty of the American uh, American populace, the, the sovereign citizenship, because this is America. The, TP, the, TP, the TPP is also, it's going to break up American sovereignty. You cannot break up American so That is completely against the American Constitution. It's not being racist. I, it's not being bigoted. Excuse me? I said right. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and I'm just saying, you know, yeah, the American, we ha- it's a protectionism. And I think, you know, anyway, I'm just saying, I understand the logic he might not. He thinks too much. He thinks too. He speaks too much. I think he needs to think a little bit. But I, I, with, with Donald Trump. But you know what? It is what it is. It, he, he might get in. But I tell you right now, I, I, I have I have no doubt there will be an assassination attempt on him before he gets. I, who knows? I don't know what Obama is planning either. But the American um, the American Republic is 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 in danger. Is is in jeopardy. And I watch the Fox News. Mm-hmm. I watch I watch the MSNBC, I see all the senators, I see all the governors, and I just think, I sit stand back and I'm like, you know, what? do they really have the right mission? Do they have really have what it takes? Whether you're a Donald Trump, I'm a businessman, I'm cunning, I'm smart, I want to make America great. Yeah, whatever, we heard that from Clinton, Nixon, Obama, Carter, all these people. Failures, failures, failures. The last great president was uh, was 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 uh, Eisenhower, but he warned them about the military-industrial complex. And then we had JFK. They didn't want 50,000 American boys to go die over a freaking lie for the oil contracts in Vietnam. And what happened? Lyndon Johnson got involved in the assassination attempt to kill him in order to go in for the corporate interest, take over the oil, and just use what they needed to use to get done. And that was Lyndon Johnson. That's, that's also declassified under the, the JFK assassination, since Lyndon Johnson is no longer with us either. But, you know, it's like the Matrix, everybody. And Robert, you know, it's like Morpheus and Neo. Morpheus hands Neo the red pill and the blue pill. And he says, Neo, you choose. You take the blue pill, you wake up in your bed. You, become, you keep being a sheep. You keep living under the illusion that everything's going to be great, that we're living under the American dream, but you've got to be asleep to believe it. Like George Collins said, it's all bullshit. It's all BS, folks. It's all BS and it's bad for you. You ever seen George Collins? He does a great rendition of the American dream. You've got to be asleep to believe it because they all got you in their little pockets, a big club, and you ain't in it. And he, then, he, then, you know, then uh, uh, Morpheus says to, uh, to Neil, you take the real red pill. 
and I'll show you how deep down the rabbit hole goes. But not many people can handle it. But anyway, that's my spiel. Thank you very much for listening, Robert. I appreciate me having, you having me on, and I would love to share more about the Falun Gong and the forced organ harvesting with you. Oh, yes, definitely. It's going to be uh, both a heart-wrenching and fascinating topic, I'm sure. <laughs> looking I, I, uh, looking I forward I, to having uh, yourself and the others on. I thought I could spice it up a little bit, you know, give you give your listeners a little spice. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I, I definitely like that. I mean, I, and I do miss the days, uh, and for the folks who are new to the show, uh, now back when I first started the show in 2015, um, I, I had a show that, uh, or the show did go five nights a week. Actually, it went seven because I used to have two archived uh, shows playing on the weekends. Uh, now, during that time, uh, I was not working, unfortunately, um, but it did give me time to uh, work on a presidential campaign uh, for one of the primary candidates in 2012, and also, of course, gave me the time to uh, begin Bard's Logic, so it was definitely time uh, well spent while it hurt financially, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it definitely uh, had, had some benefits because uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for that the time where I got laid off, unfortunately, uh, a company came in and bought uh, the company I worked for, and uh, they eliminated my position. And so while I was uh, working, uh, you know, I went, went and took some classes and was looking for, uh, you know, another place to, to go, uh, I uh, volunteered for, uh, uh, as I said, a presidential campaign for the primary 2012, and then uh, through that, uh, started the show here, so definitely uh, something uh, good came out of of that uh, you know bad part uh, in my life. But um, I'm really glad I uh, had the opportunity to start it. So, uh, but unfortunately now being uh, you know concentrating a lot on uh, on that work aspect as well, I've, I've not been able to do nearly as many shows as uh, I would like to. But you know we used to be able to do it where you know every at least once a week. Uh, we would be able to have shows featuring topics such as uh, what you're going to be doing uh, next week, uh, Mitchell, and then what I'm going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be discussing. Uh, but you know, you know, perhaps in, in some time I'll be able to add more on. But you know, we used to be able to have the opportunity to do that. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm thankful and excited uh, to be able to have uh, you and the other gentlemen on, and, and anyone else coming into. Uh, discuss the topic next week, and then next season. You said you mentioned someone who uh, would be interested in calling in with their experience, and of course they're welcome to as well. Uh, but just look to a programming note that unfortunately only about nine minutes of the live portion of the show. The show is actually going pretty quickly tonight, uh, which uh, you know usually happens. Uh, but if you're out there and you like to listen to the extended period, uh, I don't know how long the extended period will go. Uh, but if you'd like to, uh, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. I know a lot of folks are out there tonight finishing their Christmas shopping since tomorrow is uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, but I definitely thought it was important to uh, have our show tonight. Sometimes I do, as I said earlier, rebroadcasts. Uh, but we definitely want to get a live show and, and get some more topics in uh, before the end of the year. Um, and so just... Yeah, so give us a call if you're out there. You want us to the extended period at 347-945-7428 because you do not in the next eight minutes, then unfortunately your audio will turn off. Uh, the show will continue, uh, but unfortunately you wouldn't be able to hear it until the uh, podcast, uh, which is, you know, all of our shows or podcasts will be available. 
So were you saying something there, Mitchell? Yeah, Robert, I was just sharing. Uh, there's a, there's a, she's, it's great. Uh, there's a little, there's a, a lady in uh, the chat room called Holly Norris, and she's like the best protection against a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I love that, and I love that. Uh, she said, "I would call in, but I'm baking for Christmas dinner." You know, that's that's what I love about the American spirit. It's just and and, and Christmas, uh, if I may. I mean, it's such a beautiful, warm. Uh, um, a feeling, all the lights, you know, everyone coming together and, you know, just you know, winding down. People have been working hard in their corporate jobs. They've been working hard in their mom and pop's jobs. They want time together, their families. And I just love it. And Holly, Holly Norris, I don't know who Holly Norris is, but he, she, she she nailed it. And I just, uh, she wanted to call in, but I just wanted to mention that. So it's lovely. It's lovely, like I said, to talk to you. So thank you very much, and I'm sure I'll see you guys again soon. And thank you, Susan. We'll be seeing you oh. too. Oh, you're welcome. You're a fascinating man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah thank you very much. And uh, two, two things, you know of course. Like? Uh, you know, have a Merry Christmas, and we'll we'll, we'll have uh, you on. And I'm sure uh, Mitchell will be uh, corresponding through email uh, about next week's show. You know, let me know uh, if the doctor, the other gentleman from Canada, will be able to come on. Just send me information. And also, I sent you a friend request on Facebook, uh, and if you'd like to accept that. Uh, I would uh, appreciate that, and so uh, and be honored to have you as uh, one of my friends. And so, yeah, definitely appreciate it. And you know, and you know, Susan, uh, my 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 sister Barbie, who taught me a lot about childbirth, and taught me a lot about the emotional realm of uh, of the of the feminine. You know, uh, um, you know, uh, understanding is the maturity, the emotional maturity. She said to me one time, no matter how hard life gets. Always consider trying to put the fun back in dysfunctional. <laughs> and I just thought that was very, very interesting. When everything is going to crap and everyone, you know, life is getting you down, just try and put the fun back in, in dysfunctional, okay? That's all we've got to do. I'll remember fun. that. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, looking then. forward to next week. You too. You too. Thanks, Robert. You're welcome. You take care. Uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, definitely, folks. And, uh, bye bye. Yeah, definitely, folks. Uh, excited to uh, have that show. I'm going to do some more research on it as well. Gonna be excited to have uh, Mitchell back on. It's, it's going to be, as I said, uh, you know, both a, a frightening and a fascinating topic uh, that we will be discussing next week. Uh, an important topic, uh, sounds like for sure. And we'll definitely want to get uh, folks to listen to that. So. Uh, one of the ways that we share the link uh, and share this information is through uh, the links are on your you know, social networks such as Facebook and Twitter. But I know a lot of folks out there have their own personal uh, email lists. And so definitely be appreciative if you would share the link with folks on your email lists and so they could come on to the show uh, as well, listen to it if they've got topics that they want to discuss, like Mitchell's going to bring on the show uh, that he wants to discuss. Uh, you could send me an email by going to the contact page of the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And that's how he was uh, able to get the information to me so we could get things started to have uh, him on uh, next week. Uh, so I definitely want to hear and cover topics that are, of course, important to you, uh, the folks who listen to the show. And so I really appreciate it. Uh, for you know, for him doing that, and so I think we'll have a, a great show next week uh, to uh, did, get that information. How did you find him? How did you find him? Uh, um, I, th- I think he actually did call in one other time. Uh, you may not recall; it might have been a little while ago. 
but because his, his voice sounded familiar and, you know, what he was saying about the U.S. sounded familiar. Um, so I think he may have called in briefly uh, some shows ago just to, you know, uh, to talk about his gratitude uh, about being in uh, the United States and, you know, how well the United States has, has treated him as an immigrant. I, I, so I, I, he sounded familiar. He just may not have recalled, uh, you know, that he, he actually you know, talked to the show because it was for uh, a brief time. Uh, but then what is on the website uh, for the show, you know, I tell folks, you know, hey, if you've got a topic that you would like to discuss, you know, send me a message uh, through the uh, website's uh, contact page, and that's what he did. He uh, he contacted me through uh, the Bard's Logic website and uh, was telling me, you know, and sent me through an email there uh, about the topic. And so, you know, I said, yeah, let's go ahead and, you know, bring it on because we are open to uh, people's talk, uh, topic because it is, you know, important for folks to to get with their, what's important to them out. Uh, that's why, you know, this is the grassroots show. Uh, and so, you know, the people, just regular people like us, you know, who are out there who want, you know, an issue just like yourself, Susan, with the water issue uh, when, you know, you wanted to discuss that. Um, you know, those are two, uh, you know, perfect examples of, of us doing that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I mean he's been he's been in the group for you know probably a month or so. Uh, I read an article. I'm like, oh my god, I want to block on this. There's someone who's fighting, you know, this stuff. And I was like, oh, can we be friends, you know? And can I add you to my group? And can you post? And then I sent him my blog, and he was just amazed that he was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's good I, yeah, I love when that stuff kind of stuff happens. Yeah, because that's one of the things you know is one of the you know kind of the missions. Of Bard's logic, and of course, it's getting important information out to the grassroots. Uh, but you know, when I do some updates on the webpage uh, in the beginning of uh, next year, is you know also you know kind of the mission of the of the show is to you know get people together, such as you know y- yourself and, and and Mitchell or myself and him and, or other groups together, because we definitely have to you know the different grassroots organizations and peoples. Uh, we need to work together because. You know, I used to not think like this, especially when I was younger. But it's kind of almost an, 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 an us-against-them mentality. Where, what I mean by that, it's kind of like us, we the people, against our own government, I hate to say. Uh, I, I really start to feel like it's an us-against-them. Uh, maybe that's why after 2012, that's another reason why I'm not so excited about any of the candidates. Because I'm just seeing that this duopoly is becoming more and more like a one, uh, you know, the, the same thing, you know, two different parties on the same coin. That's why I'd like to see a multi-party system. And I mean, I mentioned that in 2012. I'd like to see a multi-party system. I think the debates would be uh, more fascinating. They all have different things to, to bring to the table. They have to work in a coalition to get, you know, get things done. Uh, instead of having one party, you know, dominating or the other in order to get what their agenda is. And we, you know, I don't think we'd see um, as much as, you know, the, you know, kind of like the Vikings Fury. If you ever have seen a ride, it's called a Vikings Fury. It's kind of like a pendulum that swings back and forth, <clears throat> depending on which party decides to be in there. But if you notice, think about this, folks. When it talks about the pendulum or the Vikings Fury that sways back and forth, so you go far to the right, far to the left, far to the right, far to the left, which direction are we continuing to go as the parties seem to become more and more? 
Now, you would think that since the pendulum is, seems to be swinging slower and slower, which means that you know, the parties are kind of coming together, you would think that, you know, more centrist uh, things will be, getting ta- will be getting done, okay? Then, uh, but it's not. It seems like the pendulum is getting kind of stuck uh, to the left more and more and becoming more statist um, as a friend of mine pointed out the other night is globalism is where we're headed. Uh, he thinks, and, and this guy's a very intelligent guy, thinks that that's where we're headed is globalism. And in his opinion, it can't be stopped. Um, and that, that, that's where the world is, is headed. Um, you know, I'm a, as people here know, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and they, they kind of had like a, a one world or multiple planets together and things of that nature working in peace and harmony. And I think that would be great. However, is it something that's just a utopian? Is it something that could actually work? And if it was, to, and if we do go to something like that, what does that mean? Uh, not only for the United States, but for the world. I mean, if you know, is everyone going to be equally in, living in misery, or, or, or what's that like? That's what we're, 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 we're fighting it. You know, fighting against. But I don't know. Yeah, so what are your thoughts? Did you not interested in it, but I mean, I want friends from everywhere, but there's a difference between that and being individualistic or having your countries be individualistic, you know what I mean? But um, again, mm-hmm. I am so glad that he found you or you found him. I mean, I his voice I seemed familiar to me too, and I was just like, Oh my God! I think it's him. <laughs> I yeah, like, it was. Wow. Yeah, he found us. Uh, yeah, as I said, I it's think he called in before, and then he was. I know. Well, I know he at least listened. Did he said he was in the chat? But I think he actually did call in uh, and speak shortly. I don't think he spoke specifically no, on a topic no, or anything. But I think he did. I'm, I'm, if I got some time, I'm going to try to look in the archives because uh, you know it, it sounded well, familiar. Unfortunately, I have to go. Um, I have to get some things done because I'm doing all day tomorrow. Uh, so check the archives and let me know if you think it is him because I'm, I'd be interested in knowing. And he's he's a really nice guy and he's got a passion for any you know what he believes in. And um, I was and it was funny because he said you got government bite. <laughs> right, like, yeah, I know that was great. Yeah, yeah, it's him. It I lo- yeah, I really enjoy when those type. Of- yeah, I really enjoy when those type of things happen. Yeah, I I, I never would have believed it. You know, he's talking along and just like boom. <laughs> you know, are you? You know, but I wasn't sure because it could have been someone else who had the same passion as him. I didn't know for sure. And then when he said mm-hmm. his name, I Google. Like, That's his picture. That's his picture. That's him. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 yeah that, and I do remember seeing him. And, and as he said, he was in the chat, and I do remember seeing him. Uh, in the chat in another show, maybe that's what, maybe I was just reading off in the chat, uh, you know, because he said he didn't call in, so maybe I was just reading what he put in the chat, and it, it just, you know, kind of sounded like you know, to hear what he was saying in my head. I'll have to double uh, check yeah. on that, but yeah, it's, looking forward to, yeah. to having him in. Oh, me too. I, it's, I'm just so excited about that, you know, and it's, it's, that's what I'm really going to look forward to, to hearing about. I signed the petition that the little old lady had downtown, and there was two younger ones and her and her husband, and they had been through it. And it was just so amazing, you know, to um, 
to help her, to see her, and know she was alive. I read about this, and I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what are they doing? Because, I've, you know, that's why I wrote the blog, and uh, in Murder in China or something like that. And, I mean, some of the prettier girls, they torture, they rape them, they do things to them that are unspeakable before they kill them for their organs. You know, and I'm just like, this is sort of like the little girls in, uh, what is it, or which country did that big tidal wave hit so bad? Not Taiwan. Um, oh. The little foreign five-year-olds that businessmen from our country and other countries, but our country, go over and have sex with foreign five-year-olds. And um, people are buying organs from them. Do they not know? Do they not ask? I mean, that's horrible. I, I don't care how much you want to save a life. Would you want someone murdered so you could... It, it, it just amazes me. And it's the same way with that sick thing in, in Thailand with the little girls. I just I felt just ill when I realized... And the American businessman was being interviewed. You know, yeah, I go over there, and, of course, the girl was older than he was with, like 15 or something. But are they that depraved? Are they that desperate that they need to go over to a country like that and have sex with little children. Oh, my God. It's just horrible. You know, no, but the organ part, you know, I, I've heard of that where, you know, in the poor countries, people would sell, like, you know, a lung or a kidney. or I mean, obviously they can't sell, you know, things they only have one of, and I think we only have, like, one, you know, one <laughs> or two lungs, two kidneys. I think it's pretty much big we have two of um, you know, when it comes to organs, but yeah, I've heard of, uh, you know, people who, yeah, I mean, that's what they would do. They're so poor. They'll actually, now they're not what I think he's suggesting or what he's going to be showing us, um, is going on. Uh, but where they would actually have a surgery to have one of them removed so that they could sell it. Now this seems more diabolical, what he's talking about, and I'm sure, uh, it exists. We're going to hear more about that. Um, you know, next week, which, yeah, it's definitely, and, and that's definitely something that needs to be brought out because, you know, Donald Trump uh, talks about China all the time. Well, I tell you what, if, you know, during a general election, if he does get the nomination and he wants to talk more about China, that may be very, uh, be a topic that we want to try to have a campaign for to try to bring that to his attention. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it should, should be done. And I'm not advocating going over and bombing China because of this, but, we helped communism prosper over there. We've done it in every country we the New World Order has, and we politicians have been part of it. And they don't care. They don't care. I mean, and this group in China is afraid. They're scared of losing their power. And I don't even know why they would be so afraid of a group like that, because that's not what that group is into. I, it just baffles my mind. How you can be so yeah, I don't afraid either. of a movement. If they embraced it, they would be very, you know, if the Communist Party embraced it and all that freedom, they'd be very popular and loved for accepting it. But, hey, I don't never live yeah, in China. Would, but yeah, but it, goes, but it goes against their paradigm is what it, uh, what it does. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, really goes against, it really goes against that. Um 
And so that's why, you know, they they feel that and think they have to stop it. Now, and that's another thing. You brought up a good point, Susan, is that, you know, about us helping our communist nations now. Think about it. I mean, we, we help China out all the time, and it's purposeful. See, the, the, the conventional wisdom is, you think about it, folks, we buy all their stuff. And the conventional wisdom yep. is, as well, you know, as long as, you know, we're, you know, heading up their economy, basically, then, you know, they're not going to attack us militarily because, you know, why – you know, you know, bite the hand that feeds you. You know what I mean? And so, right. you know, and that's and that's that's a strategy. That's not something that's just happening, folks. That's a strategy. I mean, that is, um, you know, something that they have planned to do. I mean, they've reasoned it out and said, yeah. I mean, think about it. Go to a store. To, you're you're going to be Christmas shopping probably if you haven't had your stuff uh, done. Flip over how many things that you bought for your children and your loved ones, and see how many times it says made in China on it. It's, it's very difficult to find doll. anything, anything that doesn't say made in China. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's unbelievable. It may, I mean, I, mean I, I can't believe almost, every, almost everything's made in China. I mean, it's rare that you see, like, made in Taiwan even or something like that. Remember when it used to be made in Taiwan? Everything was, all the mm-hmm. manufactured stuff after it's not much of made in, it was made in Taiwan. Who was an actually, actually an ally of ours? We even have a treaty uh, that's supposed to. Uh, we're supposed to. We actually have a treaty. I don't know if how many folks know this. That we're you know by this treaty uh, sworn to protect Taiwan if uh, China was to ever attack it. A lot of folks probably don't you know, about know about that, but we do. You can you know can Google it. Um, you know, but now you know we're seeing that instead of this made in Taiwan, which frankly at least they're an ally. Um, now you're seeing made in China all over the place. Yep. And so, and then, you know, and then they say, well, it's competitive advantage and things of that nature, you know, where we can get Americans. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't mind paying, you know, an extra $3 for a shirt or, or, you know, or even $2 for a $1 item, you know, if it's if it truly is made in America, I don't mind spending the next, extra money if it's made in America. Just where can you find anything that's made in America anymore? I mean, we're a, we're a service, uh, our economy is service-based. It's not even manufactured-based anymore, nor is it based on raw materials. It's, it's, it's just, we are a service-based economy. I'll have to look at that Barbie doll. I bought and buy some homemade soaps and ear warmers that were made by local people here in Boise. So I didn't buy everything. Well, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, so, we don't have a I'm lot gonna, of local stuff around here where I live. <laughs> I'm going to look right now at this uh, Barbie doll. Yeah, right now, folks, whether you're listening live or this, or you're listening to the podcast, do two things. There's two things I ask you to do. One is get the link for tonight's show, put it in your in your email group, and email it to everybody on your email list. Let them come listen to the show. Hopefully they have an idea that they want to bring on or at least chime in and join our discussions. So that's the first thing I want you to do is email out the, the link to the people on your email list. Second, okay, when you're done with that, it's only going to take a minute or so, just pick, just pick something up in your house. You know, not a book because, of course, most of those are probably made here, okay, but pick up a, mistake, a cup, a toothbrush, a toy that you got for your kids. If you can't, pick it up and see if it says made in China. A thermos. You know, just you have to send that email out. Uh, check underneath something, and I'm telling you, it's going to say "Made in China" on it. Unbelievable. Indonesia. 
Indonesia. Right, there you go. Indonesia is better than China, in my opinion. <laughs> let's see. Let me find some. I got a. Let's see. I got a calculator here. Mel, look at that. Made in China calculator. Let's see if. Okay, I don't want to make sure it's spilling coffee on me. Sauces, let's see. Let me find. Sauces made in the USA. Pepper fast. It's, uh, Man, I want to shop. I want to shop where you shop. Hey, I got some envelopes that was made in the USA. That's good. But it, but it says box and tray made in China. So like, you know, part of it's Jeez, in the US and part of it's in China. Oh wow. Okay. Let's see. Oh wow, I found a candle made in the USA. Well, I must find stuff better, so I have to make sure I just buy candle. Let's see. I'm trying to look around I'm the here. Uh, studio here <laughs> of, of what else. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, I, I have, don't have a lot of stuff in this office. I have some antiques. I'm pretty darn sure they're made in USA because they're antiques. They were my mother's. <laughs> so it's, I'm glad we still make candles here in the United States. <laughs> a lot of Avon stuff is made in China. Avon? Um, yep. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, yeah, it probably wasn't like that when my mom sold Avon, but, you know, it's probably, you know. But, you know, that's how we can, you know, continue to buy our, you know, like, you know, less expensive products. And through my understanding, a lot of times those uh, products uh, aren't as good quality either, through my understanding. Um so there was a book I want to recommend for 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 folks. Made I think in I USA. Might have uh, I might have made of uh, loaned it out to a friend, and I think she may have never given it back. Um, <laughs> let me check. Oh well, you know I can't uh, can't see who that is or who that book is. Oh, I must John. have uh, oh, the, the coming. I think it was called the Coming China Wars. Earth Science Natural, Santa Barbara, California. It's all natural, creamy, creamy cleanser. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, you know, I will say one thing about China. The one thing, and even apologizing you know, their herbal medicine is leap years beyond our the medicine we have here. They can cure you with things and their acupuncture. You know, you have to give credit where it's due. They're wiser than we are. So, in that sense, study how they can have the herbal and their, okay, all quick. that stuff. And, and real quick, uh, real quick, Susan, is that uh, I just got a message from our good friend and panelist, Kelly Mordecai, uh, who is our author and our uh, constitutional scholar for the show. Uh, he oh, says yeah. he apologizes for not making it to the show tonight. Um, he was actually the host to a homeless shelter uh, this evening. So, and that's Aww. one of the, you know, volu- yeah, that's one of the volunteer works that uh, Kelly does is uh, for homeless shelters. And tonight uh, he was the host for that. So he wants to send everyone their uh, Chris- Merry Christmas greetings uh, to all, to all good night. Now, <laughs> but um, so he just wants to wish everybody uh, a Merry Christmas. And thank you, Kelly. Uh, I know you're not listening out there because you, uh, unfortunately, 
unless you listen to the archive now. Uh, but of course, a, a Merry Christmas uh, to you as well. Um, and so uh, we're glad that we at least got to get some contact with with Kelly. Yeah, he's a good guy. A good guy, smart. Well, I've got the boogie too, and um, I'm sorry about that. Uh, next week, I'll be <laughs> spending the whole time on there. <laughs> um, oh yeah, next week I, is going to be it's going to be a fascinating show. Yeah, it will be. I've got a I've got to get ice on it and get my leg up, and it it my knee is inflamed, and so <laughs> I went to the chiropractor. He says, "Oh my God, get some ice on it now." <laughs> so I have a pack on it, but I need to just get it up, lay down and get it up, and I have mm. someone coming over, so um, I wish you the happiest of holidays and this time of year and Merry Christmas or whatever. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Uh, you know what? I may, I, may, I may be the pagan of the group, but I still accept Merry Christmas. So. <laughs> Even though you guys usurped our winter solstice. See that's the thing. That's poor. That's poor. That's poor pagans. You guys, you you Christians, you were usurped all of our our holidays. What's up with that? <laughs> well, hey, I had nothing to do with it. As far as I'm concerned, they could have Christmas in January, and I'd be perfectly happy. I like. I think, like I said, the spirit should be helping people. Well, Christ wasn't even born season. in the winter. You know that, right? You yes, know, you know Jesus do. wasn't I even do. born in the winter. Yep, uh, he, I know he was that. actually I born in March. <laughs> They did yep. it for symbolism, and they wanted to take over one of our holidays. Well, you can thank the Catholic Church for that because they yeah I know they turned a lot they turned a lot of things into you know but it's a time of year it's really people need help and so that's a good thing about it and that's what we've forgotten and I think it's really nice that Kelly was doing that and helping out and doing good things for people because this time of year people are cold and more than in the summer where they can get food easier from farmers or anybody, you know, it's fair. Yeah. This time of year, the heat uh, is needed and people, you know, I feel sorry for the veterans, some of them that don't get any help and, you know, we're giving it away to illegals and everybody else. Oh, that drives me nuts. And now they want to give it away to refugees, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know. And I see Holly good. made a mention in uh, and, and Holly made a mention in the chat. She said Merry Christmas. So I want to wish you a Merry Christmas to Holly. Okay, Merry Christmas to her too. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a problem saying happy greetings on anything to anybody. I, everybody celebrates and does. Uh, you know, I had this one Jewish guy. He goes, I feel sorry for the Christian kids because we have, and I'm not sure how long Hanukkah lasts. Seven days, ten days, whatever. Uh, he said, yeah, Hanukkah's like 12 every... days or 7 days. or Okay. Yeah. He said, we get a present every day. You only get presents on one day of the year. Oh, yeah. you're Jewish because you want the presents. Huh? I see how you are. Yeah, so, but I could get expensive. Yeah. Man, I'm glad it's only one time a year for you guys then. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have five kids and you have to give it to them, a present to them every day. You have to go into the dollar store. Yeah, that's 35 gifts. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I never knew that until he brought it up. I, I never knew that. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so I, I'm i glad he felt sorry for the Christian kids, but 
I felt better for the parents, for the Christian kids, I guess for the Jewish parents. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, I will bid you adieu, and you have a great time with your wife and everything else, and we'll see you next week. Uh, well, you take care, and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Good night. You're welcome. Good night, Susan. Take care. Okay. Okay, folks, it looks like uh, just uh, whoever's on the line, if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. And I'll get you in. If you just want to listen, that's fine. we got about 40 minutes left of uh, the show. I may or may not take the entire time. I know uh, folks want to get back to their holiday cheer, but we'll see. But there are some audio clips that I did want to uh, play uh, that we didn't get the uh, opportunity to, but that's okay. We definitely had some great discussion uh, with Mitch and Susan, especially about our topic for next week, uh, which we are looking forward to. And so uh, it's always good to have that. And then, of course, there's plenty of time to talk about uh, the uh, the election. You know, we've still got until next November, so it's the whole year. Uh, but one of the things uh, that they discussed uh, that I want to talk more about uh, for people to keep in mind and why, you know, having a Democrat, especially Hillary Clinton, uh, in the presidency is bad for America uh, is one of these topics here. And we'll give some food for thought after this audience. Secretary Clinton. As you were walking in, I was talking about the median American household getting a 2% raise over the last 20 years. That CEO pay in that same time frame has gone up 200%. So for those families watching tonight, how do you get them a raise if you're president? Well, I've been talking to a lot of these families, and this is uh, such an outrage, both because it's bad for our economy. We're a 70% consumption economy. People need to feel optimistic and confident. They need to believe that their hard work is going to be rewarded, and it's bad for our democracy. Uh, It's absolutely the case that if people feel that the game is rigged, that has consequences. I think it's great standing up here with the senator and the governor talking about these issues because you're not going to hear anything like this from any of the Republicans who are running for president. They don't want to raise the minimum wage. They don't want to do anything to increase incomes. At the center of my economic policy is raising incomes because people haven't been able to get ahead and the cost of everything from college tuition to prescription drugs has gone up of course we have to raise the minimum wage of course we have to do more to incentivize profit sharing like we see with market basket right here in new hampshire and new england where all of the employees get a chance to share in the profits and we've got to do more on equal pay for equal work that means pass the paycheck fairness act so we have transparency about how much people are making that's the way to get women's wages up and that's good for them and good for their families and good for our communities and there is a lot we can do in college affordability i have debt free tuition plans free community college plans getting student debt down. I also am very uh, committed to getting the price of drugs down, and there's a lot you can go to my website, HillaryClinton.com, and read about it. But I guess the final thing that, that I would say is this is the kind of debate we need to take to the Republicans in the fall. Secretary, this thank you. the election we're gonna, we're gonna, have to respond to. And we're going to talk about college education. And, of course, folks, uh, you know, they are going to probably use it's the economy, stupid. Um, they're probably, you know, 
say there's some successes with the Obama in the economy. Uh, now, one of the things I wanted to point out, and I hate to say it, but some of this stuff, because sometimes she tries to sound like a centrist, and, and damn there, sometimes she tries to sound like a conservative, but we know she's not that either. And some of the stuff, you know, let's be honest, does make sense. I mean, uh, if, the thing, if those have gone up, indeed, 2% in, in corporate 200, I mean, that is ridiculous. And I, I, I think profit sharing uh, and things of that nature is a good idea. Um, you know, so, and I'm not one who just because something comes out of a Democrat's mouth necessarily thinks it's a bad idea. But of course, a lot of the ideas that sound good are probably also the ideas that uh, the Republicans are talking about. And, you know, I'm an independent, so it's, you know, not about Republican, Democrat. Uh, to me, it's about ideas. Okay. And so one of the ideas that I don't think makes sense, and this is why, is raising the minimum wage. Okay, especially raising the minimum wage to uh, $15 an hour is what they're talking about, and this is why. One is that ask yourself this question. Let's say you're somebody who at this point supports raising the minimum wage to $15. Ask yourself this question. Maybe it will change your mind on that. Are you going to get a raise? Are you going to get a raise? if they raise minimum wage to $15 an hour. Unless you're currently making minimum wage or under $15 an hour, guess what? You're not getting a raise. Actually, your dollar is going to be less. The amount that you make, in essence, is going to be less. Because you know if they're going to be, you know, if, if companies going to be giving these folks raises, you know, are raising minimum wage to $15 an hour, that makes your dollar less effective. Because you know they're going to raise prices. And who makes minimum wage for the most part? How many adults do you know that make minimum wage? Now, I know there are some, okay, but, you know, but mostly high school. And who's going to pay a high school kid $15 an hour to flip a burger? How many are going to pay $15 an hour, you know, to people who work at a gas station? That's not a manager. Think of the people who's worked for, like, a grocery store for years. They started off minimum wage, and now they make fourteen you know, fifteen dollars an hour, fifteen, twenty five an hour after working for that grocery store for you know twenty plus years. Are they gonna get a raise? No. If you're making over fifteen whatever an hour, you're not getting a raise. So let's say that you worked at this grocery store for twenty years and now you're making fifteen or fifteen, sixteen dollars an hour. Okay, let's say fifteen fifty, because I think it's like fifteen twenty five they're looking to raise up something like that. And then someone gets hired, and they're making $15 an hour right off the bat. Boom. Now, what would say, well, you know, $15 an hour and an hour might be worth what $6 an hour was. Or you're probably working 20 years ago. If you're making a minimum wage, I remember when I was making minimum wage 20 years ago, minimum wage folks 20 years ago was like $3, $4 an hour. I was working construction at 18 years old, making like four forty-five an hour. Or something crazy like that, you know. So, I mean, that was, you know, 20 years ago, um, and I remember when I was, you know, making ten dollars an hour, you know, you know, about 20, yeah, about 20 years ago, like, oh my gosh, you ten dollars an hour. So I, know, I mean, I know there's inflation, you know, things of that nature, but it, it's not, it, it's not that much. But still, think, but think about that. Someone starting out now at that grocery store or or that hardware store, okay. Or that restaurant, or that factory, or whatever. Well, factories might not be the same. 
but that person who just started, where it took you 20 years to get to the point where they just started. Where are you now? How do you feel now? How do you feel that now this person who just started is making almost as much as you are, and you put 20 years into the company? How are we motivating people to work harder? I mean, heck, thinking about motivating people to work harder, look at our welfare system. It's almost, it pays you almost as much, through my understanding, uh, on welfare and food stamps and Section 8 and, WIC and things that, that – not WIC. I'm not going to count that in. Um, it's almost, it, you, you almost can live, uh, you know, a regular, you know, regular life, so to speak, on, on the welfare and stuff like that than you can getting a job. It's only marginally higher if you if you got a job than if you're, you know, on the system. Where is it the motivating people to work? You know, I like the new Gingrich's plan where he was talking about in 2012, if you're on food stamps, you know, you have a job where you, you know, that they get you some kind the government gets you some kind of job. Or they all, um, remember the, 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 there's a lot of people who, when he was talking about, well, okay, well, kids, you know, you know, make kids janitor. Oh my gosh, make a kid a janitor. So what? That being a janitor is how I paid my way through high school. After school, every day, Monday through Friday, I went to my high school. I mean, my old grade school. Worked a couple hours, and I didn't get any of the money. It went straight to my high school. Okay, and then during the summer, I got up at eight o'clock in the morning or seven, one of those two. Got up, went to my went to my old grade school for half a day from like 8 until noon, you know, did landscaping, cleaning, you know, you know, painting in the school, you know, stuff like that, and the money went straight to my high school. And then you had Gingrich in 2012 bring up, yeah, let's have these kids be janitors. And, my God, people were, were screaming bloody murder, and like, oh, my God, you're having our kids, telling our kids to be janitors? Well, yeah. How are they supposed to learn any kind of work ethic if they're not working? So what has happened to America where we're not to work, and then if we're going to do the, the, the minimal jobs, like flipping burgers or, you know, working, I'm not trying to mean them. This is just where people start, you know, especially those without a college degree. And what about all these kids, as I said earlier, who are not going to be able to get hired, and how are they going to learn to get a good work ethic? And I know you've probably heard this argument before, but it's true. How are they going to learn that if people are making $15 an hour? But then they're not going to get hired. Because people are like, look, I want the, if I'm going to be paying 50 I want somebody quality. I want somebody with experience. And with quality, by quality, I mean experience, someone who you know, has knowledge. So that's what I mean about that, about you know, raising the minimum wage. I think that's you know, a dumb idea. You know, there are things such as Sanders brought up, and which I think uh, – I don't know if his way of addressing it and Hillary Clinton's way of addressing it is the right way. But th there was one thing that's a truism that, you know, we're discovering is that back one generation ago, having a high school diploma, you can get a decent job coming out of high school with a high school diploma. You can get a decent job a generation ago. Now, my generation, you can't. You've got to get at least a – 
a, a degree, a bachelor's degree, or sometimes certificate of a trade school or something of that nature. But if, you know, that's what you'd have to do. I mean, you could get into the business world without a degree a generation ago. Through my understanding, if I'm wrong, come and call me. Three, well, I guess can't call me now because it's, you know, in the extended period. But you could do that. But what Sandra was saying, and, you know, and then we have the public school system for high school where the taxes pay for it. I th- however, I do think people who send their kids to private school or don't have any children at all, I think they should get a tax break. And we'll bring up taxes here. They got an audio clip about taxes. Okay. And, and we've got something about education. So I'll tell you what, we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, let's go ahead and go on to education since that's kind of where uh, I was taking this, and then uh, we'll go over the taxes. So let me get the audio clip together here uh, for what you know for education. And hopefully we'll be able to get to all of this tonight, but uh, we'll do our best. To talk about the high cost of college education, and for that we turn to the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics right here at St. Anselm College, Neil Levesque. Neil? Here to New Hampshire again. As you know, this audience is filled with many St. Anselm College students, and they know that the outstanding student debt right now uh, in America is $1.3 trillion, that private education costs have gone up in the last decade 26% and 40% for public education. So knowing that, we know that you want to make higher education more affordable. But how do you really lower the cost? Senator Sanders, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you want free tuition for public colleges. And how does that how does that really lower the cost other than just shifting the cost to taxpayers? Well, Neil, I think we have got to work on a two-pronged approach. And your point is absolutely well taken. Uh, the cost of college education is escalating a lot faster uh, than the cost of inflation. There are a lot of factors involved in that. And that is that we have some colleges and universities that are spending a huge amount of money on fancy dormitories and on giant football stadiums. Maybe we should focus on quality education with well-paid faculty members. But, and I understand that in many universities, a heck of a lot of vice presidents who earn a big salary. But bottom line is, this is the year 2015. If we are going to be competitive in the global economy, we need the best educated workforce. It is insane to my mind. Hundreds of thousands of young people today, bright, qualified people, cannot go to college because they cannot afford, their families cannot afford to send them. Millions coming out of school, as you indicated, deeply in debt. What do we do? My proposal is to put a speculation tax on Wall Street raise very substantial sums of money, not only make public colleges and universities tuition-free, but also substantially lower interest rates on student debt. You have families out there paying 6, 8, 10% on student debt, refinance their homes at 3%. What sense is that? So I think we need radical changes in the funding of higher education. We should look at college today the way high school was looked at 60 years ago. All young people have the ability, should be able to get a college education. Governor O'Malley, <laughs> Governor O'Malley, how do you how do you propose, Governor O'Malley, how do you propose lowering some of these costs that are associated with higher education? Yeah, this one falls under the category of I have actually done this. As a governor, 
uh, we actually made the greater investments so that we could go four years in a row without a pennies increase to college tuition. Uh, my plan actually goes further than Senator Sanders because a big chunk of the cost is actually room and board and books and fees. So as a nation, we need to increase what we invest in Pell Grants. Yes, we need to make it easier for parents to refinance, but states need to do more as well. And I propose a block grant program that will keep the states in the game as well. I believe that all of our kids should go into an income-based repayment plan. I'm joined tonight by my two daughters, Tara and, and Grace. My oldest daughter is a teacher. Man, their mother's here as well. We were proud of them on graduation day, weren't we, Katie? And we're going to be proud every month for the rest of our lives. I mean, we had to borrow so much money to send them to college, and we're not the only ones. There are families all across America who aren't able to contribute to our economy because of this crushing student loan. I also propose that we can pay for this with a, uh, a tax on high-volume trades, and we need to because my dad went to college uh, after coming back from World War II on a GI Bill, but today we're the only nation on the planet that's saddling our kids with a lifetime of bills. That's a drag on the economy. It's one of the key investments we need to make. I was flattered that Secretary Clinton, two months later, borrowed so many of my proposals to incorporate into hers. And in our party, unlike the Republican Party, we actually believe that the more our people learn, the more they will earn, and higher education should be a right for every kid. Secretary Clinton. Right. Secretary Clinton, how, how does your plan, how does your plan differentiate from your opponents? Well, I have what I call the New College Compact because I think everybody has to have some skin in this game, Neil. Number one, states have been disinvesting in higher education. In fact, I think New Hampshire in-state tuition for public college and university is among the highest, if not the highest, in the country. So states over a period of decades have put their money elsewhere, into prisons, into highways, into things other than higher education. So. Under my compact, the federal government will match money that the, that the states begin to put back in uh, to the higher education system. Secondly, I don't believe in free tuition for everybody. I believe we should focus on middle class families, working families, and poor kids who have the ambition and the talent to go to college and get ahead. So I have proposed debt-free tuition, uh, which I think is affordable, and I would move a lot of the Pell Grant and other aid into the arena where it could be used for living expenses. Uh, so I put all this together, again, on my website, and am pleased that I've gotten such a good response. But I want to quickly say that you know, one of the areas that Senator Sanders touched on um, in talking about education and certainly talking about health care uh, is his uh, commitment to really changing the systems. Uh, free college, a single-payer system for health care. And it's been estimated we're looking at 18 to 20 trillion dollars, about a 40 percent increase in the federal budget. Um, and I have looked at his proposed plans for health care, for example, and it really does transfer every bit of our health care system, including private health care, to the states to have the states run. And I think we've got to be really thoughtful about how we're going to afford what we propose, which is why everything that I have proposed, I will tell you exactly how I'm going to pay for it, including college. Thank Can you, I Secretary Clinton. To thank you. On, on Neil, thank back you. to you, David. Thank you. We're going to get right into this, Senator, because I want to ask about taxes well, next, uh, and this is included. Just, she, she was asking about that. But Secretary Clinton is wrong. Okay. And they'll be talking about taxes later, and hopefully we'll get uh, a shot to talk about that as well. 
And so, you know, you've heard a lot of things. You can mull them over in your mind what sounds good, what what doesn't. And, uh, you know, some things, you know, made some sense, some do not, uh, especially uh, when it comes to what Sanders was saying is that point where, you know, pretty much you need a bachelor's degree uh, when, you know, back a generation ago, as I was saying earlier, uh, you only need a, you know, we need a, you know, a, a high school diploma. So, uh, so that's, you know, that is true, you know, as I said, or, or some kind of trade license or something of that nature. But what I was saying earlier, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, they'll talk about taxes is uh, with education, as I was saying earlier, is, you know, if you don't have any, ch- you know, if you don't have any children or if you uh, decide to send them to a private uh, school, whether it's a high school or a college, I say that, you know, give them a tax break. Have some kind of tax break where, you know, if you're not paying to the, I have a hard time. If you're not, if you're not uh, benefiting from, you know, a system, then you shouldn't pay into the system. So, you know, if you have a, if you send your kid to a private uh, school, uh, then I think that you should get some kind of tax break in order to uh, compensate, you know, for what's being taken out, you know, probably of your property taxes uh, in order to pay towards the school because you're not utilizing that. Uh, and then also, if you don't have any children at all, I feel that you, why should you pay for, you know, kids, you know, kids to go to school when you're not utilizing that system. Okay. And so they should get, you know, you know, a tax break on that now. And then perhaps, you know, it's just the amount of, you know, kids that you have is what's based on how many, you know, how much taxes you pay into the, uh, you know, into the school for, you know, the upkeep. If you have five kids going to public school, then it, it, perhaps it could be adjusted that way. Now, I'm, I'm in no way of trying to deter people from having kids. I mean, that shouldn't be one of the reasons for you know, having less kids because, oh, my gosh, education, because let's think, think, face it, you're going to be paying for it anyway. You're going to be paying for it through your taxes because there is no free tuition, you know, there is no free uh, education. They keep touting that. That's one of the reasons why their plans are bad for America. Not necessarily the, in the essence uh, of some of them are, are all the way bad, uh, but to the fact that, you know, they make you try to sound like, well, it's free. Well, how are you going to pay for it? Hillary Clinton says that she'll show uh, how they're going to pay for it. Um, but then that's probably through, you know, increased taxation. And what that will be is that will be increased taxation on not just the people. And this is where I think it's bad for America because it's not going to just be the taxation on uh, everybody. And, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen her plan. Um, but knowing the way they operate is it's probably not just a tax on the people who are going to be using the system. It's going to be a tax on everybody. And it's going to be a tax on whether you send your kid to a, a, a public or private school. You know, if you're listening to this archive and you want to disagree uh, with me later, then come to one of the shows. Call 347-945-7428. Let me know that uh, you think I'm wrong, and then we can uh, talk more about it. Uh, but that's what I think with uh, the education uh, system. Uh, should there be a, you know, maybe like as a, um, like a junior college or something of that nature, a public college that, you know, is paid for much like our our public school system. I think that could be a good idea. However, however, I think that people who are not contributing to it should have a uh, get get a tax break. 
And since they're bringing up taxes, let's go ahead and uh, play our, chat, our clip on uh, them and taxes. Let me go pull this up for us. And here we go. Of college education, the next question most families have is, will my taxes go up under the next president? You have said it's your goal not to raise taxes on families making under $250,000 a year, a goal. But can you say that's a promise as you stand here tonight? That is a pledge that I'm making. I made it when I ran in 2008, yes. And it was the same one that uh, President Obama uh, made. Because I don't think we should be imposing new big programs that are going to raise middle-class families' taxes. We just heard that most families haven't had a wage increase since 2001, since, you know, the end of the last Clinton administration when incomes did go up uh, for everybody. And we've got to get back to where people can save money again, where they can invest in their families, and I don't think a middle-class tax should be part of anybody's plan right now. Let me respond. Secretary Clinton. Let me respond to two. Please. Number one, most important economic reality of today is that over the last 30 years, there has been a transfer of trillions of dollars from the middle class to the top one-tenth of one percent who have seen a doubling of the percentage of wealth that they own. Now, when Secretary Clinton says, I'm not going to raise taxes on the middle class, let me tell you what she is saying. She is disagreeing with FDR and Social Security, LBJ on Medicare, and with the vast majority of progressive Democrats in the House and the Senate who today are fighting to end the disgrace of the United States being the only major country on earth that doesn't provide paid family and medical leave. What the legislation is, is $1.61 a week. Now you can say that's a tax on the middle class. It will provide three months paid family and medical leave for the working families of this country. I think, Secretary Clinton, a buck 61 is a week is a pretty good investment. Senator, thank you. I want to bring in Senator, Governor O'Malley. Let me ask. For paid family you heard leave for a very long David, thank you. I have a way David, to pay for it that David, actually you. makes the wealthiest pay for it. Not, well, every not progressive Democrat and Senator is supportive of this proposal introduced by your good friend and my good friend, Kirsten Gillibrand, Rosa DeLauro. That is the legislation out there that will finally provide family medical I want to bring in Governor O'Malley on this. We heard the promise there from Secretary Clinton because people want to know about their taxes. Will they go up? She has now promised here tonight not to raise them on families making 250000 or less. Can you make that same promise if you're elected president? No, I've never made a promise like that, but unlike either of these two fine people, I've actually balanced the budget every single year. I was one of, I was the only, one of only seven states that had a AAA bond rating. By the time I left, the average uh, tax burden on Maryland families was the same as when I started, but I did pass a more progressive income tax and asked the highest earning uh, people to pay another 14%. Uh, David, look, this is the big, uh, I agree, by the way, uh, that we should have paid family leave. And I agree with Senator Sanders on that. And just like Social Security, uh, uh, and unlike the Republicans, I think we should actually expand Social Security and uh, increase uh, average monthly benefits. But look, there's one big entitlement we can no longer afford as a country. And that is the entitlement that the super wealthy among us, those earning more than a million dollars, feel that they're entitled to pay lower income tax rates and a far lower preferred uh, income tax rate when it comes to capital gains. If 
we were to raise the marginal rate to 45% for people earning more than a million dollars, and if we tax capital gains essentially the same we do uh, uh, earnings from hard work and sweat and toil, you could generate $800 billion over the next 10 years, and that would do so much good for affordable college, debt-free college, cutting youth unemployment in half, investing in our cities again. So uh, the things I have done in office are the things that actually invest in growing our economy and making wages go up. That's the issue that we need to tackle as Americans, and we can do it, and we know how. Governor Malley, thank you. It's spirited debate on taxes, and we'll be much more with the Democratic debate in New Hampshire when we come back right here on ABC. More to more. So if elected president, how would you bridge the divide between the two? David, I <laughs> okay, folks, uh, that was just uh, because you know, that's going to be the last clip of the night and, and talk about taxes. And one of the things uh, that uh, Hillary said is she pledges. Now, we all know what pledges is you don't pledges don't always pay out. The plus she said, which was key, because words are important, as you know, is that I don't think that right now is the time to raise taxes on the middle class. Okay, right now is not the time. So that means she feels that there is a time and that during her presidency, I'm betting as she was to become president, there will be that time. That's where the, it's dangerous. There's other ways to, in my opinion, to raise revenue for taxes. One, and now this is state by state, so this isn't really much for federal government. Of course, I guess the federal government could do this as well, but I'd rather think be passed uh, you know, by the state. However, is, you know, I know that they just, uh, it was a failed bill uh, here in Ohio, but there's another one up on the ballot next year, so we'll see, uh, where I believe in the legalization of uh, marijuana. Now, people are like, oh, my gosh, Rob, you liberal, you. No, I'm not. Uh, but when they talk about taxation, two things that, that would happen with that. One is that, you know, the people who are using it and not paying any taxes and selling it and not paying any taxes on it, there's a source of revenue right there. You have a lot of states, including Kentucky, where people are, you know, thankfully smoking less and less um, to, you know, tobacco, cigarettes, which is great. Okay, but that, that's a cash crop for a lot of uh, a lot of states, including uh, including Kentucky. Okay, now if uh, people in Kentucky were able to grow not marijuana but industrialized hemp. Okay, because right now industrialized hemp is in the same legal category as marijuana, which even because you can hide marijuana plants within, you know, the growing of industrialized hemp. And because industrialized hemp doesn't have enough THC in it to get high from, you'd actually have to smoke an entire acre worth of industrialized hemp in order to get the effects of one, you know, marijuana joint. No one's going to smoke that much hemp, okay? Uh, but they can use that hemp as a cash crop, okay? And then from that income, you can generate more, uh, you know, you could generate, you know, more income. So they can get the taxes by actually increasing the income of people in the states because, you know, the tobacco industry, you know, is, is going down. And so they can use that as a replacement for a cash crop. And also, instead of, you know, the expensive lumber, okay, to, to make books, you want to talk about what they mentioned earlier, how books are, you know, part of the expense. If you want to make books out of hemp paper instead of the pulp of wood, 
because you can grow more of the hemp more than you can grow of the trees. That could bring the costs of books down because books wouldn't be as expensive because you're using a, a you know a, a product that's less expensive. Okay, and the reason why it's more expensive now, people are like, wait a minute, Robert, what are you talking about? Hemp paper is more expensive than your regular stock paper right now. Well, yeah, that's because it's harder to get because you cannot grow industrialized hemp in the United States. Okay, so you have to get imported from places like Canada, which is going to increase the cost of the hemp paper. Okay, so that that can lower the costs. Uh, for that, but unfortunately, folks, and I'm seeing that we're actually kind of uh, winding down and, and ran out of time tonight. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and close out the show myself. Uh, looks like we've had folks uh, doing their volunteering and uh, spending their time with their families, and I do appreciate uh, the people who uh, came on. Uh, uh, Holly, uh, thank you for your contribution to the chat. Of course, we want to uh, thank Mitchell as well. And also for Susan for calling in. And for those of you who uh, spent this night before Christmas Eve here with us on Bard's Logic Political Talk, I want to thank you as well for listening to the show. And, of course, you folks out there who are listening to the show here on the podcast. And all I ask is uh, that you share the link. Uh, Probably one of the best ways uh, to share the podcast is to take the link that you used to come to the show tonight, whether you came live or listened to the podcast. I know everyone at this point pretty much has an email list of uh, the friends, uh, and they know who they are who would enjoy listening to the show. And perhaps we have an item that they'd want us to talk about or want to come on and chime into the show themselves. I mean, your friends are like uh, you, and you come to the show, so they would probably like to uh, come too. They just need to know about it. So send them the link on your email and, uh, you know, bring them up uh, to the show. It would be great to have them on. Uh, and so we'll uh, be glad to have them, and they can come with uh, their topics, much like uh, Mitch is going to be bringing in uh, the topic he'd like uh, to talk about, which is going to be a, a fascinating uh, topic to be sure. Heartbreaking, too, I, I, I think, uh, but it's also going to be uh, fascinating. So we are looking forward to uh, that show next week, uh, talking about the pretty much theft of organs uh, there in China. And something I think uh, once we get to the general election, it can bring more to light, especially if we have someone like a Trump or any of them, really. Uh, so when they talk about China, they can bring this up uh, as well, because yeah, I don't think uh, it's, it's not out there as it you know it sounds like it should be. Um, so perhaps we can help to bring uh, you know some attention to that uh, for folks. Um, I know that some people are a, a little bit aware of it, but perhaps uh, not as much as. Uh, the information we'll be getting out of next week's show. So definitely uh, it's an important topic. So, you know, bring people to the show uh, next week. It is the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, so, and it will be the last show of 2015. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and end the year with, uh, with your participation, which of course here on Bard's Logic is appreciated. And so uh want to go ahead and end tonight as I do every night. And that is by the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. And that's A-U-B-R-E-Y and then Ashburn, A-S-H-B-U-R-N.com, where you can get access to more of her music. And so good night, folks. Take care. And I want everyone to have a Merry Christmas 
and happy holidays, and we will see you next week. Good night and take care.